Look up there in the sky. It's a bird, a plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Robbie from Earth 8. One Eric from Earth 3. One fortnightly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Norman, literature geek and writer. I can't help but pop you, I guess. I I'm your other host, it. Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, much, much more. It's episode 300. Oh, God damn it. You know, I'm over it. I'm over yeah. it. Okay, Crisis event here. Here's the... We'll just... We're doing... We're, we read the comic... Okay, okay, here. We're gonna, I'll level with our listeners. A Crisis event gave... Distributed a comic book to both Eric and I. Crisis on <laughs> Infinite Earths. And so that is what we're reading it today. We're discussing it today. There's been crisis events literally since the month we last released an episode. Have been popping up there, like literally. I'm walking my dog. Crisis event. Mm-hmm. You know how hard it is to keep a dog out, like in control, when there's a crisis event. They don't yeah, know what to they, do with that thing. They get they get distracted by the. Well, they get distracted. The, they the want to make friends. Lights and big my, noises. My dog wants to become friends with a crisis event, and I will not have that. See, that's funny. I thought she must be really sociable because I thought it would be like fourth of july i mean not this i, I guess it, it it probably would vary by the different types of crisis portal it opens up mm. this crisis portal she was she wanted to be friends with it but it did not have treats and i did so i got it, her over away from it um but how about you know crisis event you chill i know you're gonna we're gonna sacrifice some people later on to you <laughs> rip Rip in peace. Uh, so, how about you hang out until later on? I'll take your silence as a scent. Please don't. Please, no more of that disturbing sound. <laughs> we are discussing Crisis on Infinite Earths by Marv Wolfman and George Perez later on in Nerdboat Book Club with some variety of crisis event guests. Crisis guests. portals. Guests. With capital letters, capital guests, capital from a variety of Earths will be stopping in. It's like that what. movie, Them? <laughs> I mean, is, that's the grasshopper one, right? Or is that ants? I don't know. Some bug I think them thing. Is, I, I, think, I don't know. I think them is ants, I want to say. Yeah, I think it is ants. Yeah. Like I said, they, some some bug thing. Ant, ants are bugs. They parody in Fallout 3 and they use the title They. So I, I assume Them is... Also, giant ants. Um, but that's later on. We'll talk about crises, many universes in comic books, um, nonsense. Maybe not in that order. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in that order. That's how but we do. That is how we do it. Uh, but like always, we have comic books that came out much more recently to talk about. It's time for our first segment. It's time for Floppy Sport Nightly. Bobby Spurnarly is the part of the show where Eric and I review 
a selection of this past couple weeks' books. Tell you to buy or do not buy them. There's a mush meter. It goes from one to five if we're feeling mushy. Our first book is Batman, number 117, uh, written by James Tinian IV, Art Jorge Jimenez, colors to Amore, letters Clayton Cowles. This is the finale to Fear State in the last book of Batman by James Tinian, at least for the immediate future. I have no idea. And, you know, 10 years from now, he may come back and write some more, but... No, I, I hope he makes a lot of money off of his stack exchange or whatever it is he's doing. Because <laughs> I sub, don't sub want stack. any more of this shit, you know? Sub, it's sub-stack. Stack, stack exchange is another thing, and I know what fucking stack is. You you don't know what stack exchange yes, is, I, do you? I do. I've gone. I've used stack exchange. <laughs> I've wrote three lines of code and had to look up how to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guy from 2017, tell me how to do this. I needed to, I, well, hey, Eric, I, like many people, wanted to use mods on Fallout. <laughs> well, and make you it see, work. That's, that's your first mistake, sir. I know. It's always like, you, you have that thought of like, you know what? I really want to play Fallout with mods. Three hours later, I've got all the mods installed. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to do anything anymore. <laughs> the fucking titties were not worth this. Um... Felt appropriate for a momentous episode like this to check in with Batman, see how he's doing. Wish we hadn't. No, not a fan, Eric. I, but, okay, it, you know what? It's fine. I like James Tenyon writing Batman. I don't know what the fuck is happening here. <laughs> and and maybe I had a stroke and then just got over it. I don't know. But like it, I, maybe I don't like comic books anymore. I don't know what's happening. This is this is a bunch of shit. We didn't read any of this stuff in between. I vaguely remember some of these events being set up, like so much, so much of this fear state stuff. I like, I'm like, all right, whatever, all right. I I don't know. I'm over it. We read the first issue of Fear State, um, and I don't for know. anyone listening I, at home, that's not a good way to follow an event. Read the first and last issues. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's enough, honestly. <laughs> sometimes it is enough, but sometimes you get some dumb dumb like me sitting here like, what is happening? Ah! I'm just so I'm more, fucking confused. This, it, it, this is not really necessarily... Nece- this book, the, the, us reading this, our selection of these books is not necessarily... Uh, I didn't necessarily go, oh, we need to tell everyone to go read Fear State or not. Uh, it's more just thinking back... I had an eye about, uh, you know, the retrospective over 300 episodes and where Batman has gone over that over those, what, nine years, eight years, eight Mm. years. Uh, And that's primarily why I wanted us to read this. It's not really to say like, oh, well, obviously, neither of us read intervening issues of Fear State. I saw like, you know, I I saw some panels of this online uh, and thought they looked interesting and thought they were like i want to see what the context is for that um but just thinking like of the you know we've we've read a lot of batman mm. over the years on this podcast and it, it batman is a character that i think i having read so much of him and especially just the way that dc dc what dc has done with batman and how much market saturation there is. Double double Batman, Eric. You coined mm-hmm. the term. Double well, Batman. I stole it from a comment section. Fair enough. 
but it is it's that idea of like Batman always sells. Batman is so popular that if they put his name on anything, people will buy it, regardless of how good it is. And I don't know. I was trying to think broader when I was reading this, just not necessarily trying to take in like what is happening here. I'm like, I know that the peacekeepers are a part of this and, you know, Scarecrow and, and all that stuff and like trying to make a trying to overwhelm the city. And, you know, the, the Poison Ivy Harley stuff in this is sweet. That, that I like that stuff a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, um, and I and I think like think back like they're, they're not the only uh, LGBTQ kiss that we read in DC Comics this week and of a big mainstream character, uh, which I think that's another interesting thing that over the years I would I'm, I'm agree or disagree. Eric. You think Batman is number one, number one DC character. By by far, by far, yeah. I, I mean, would, I mean I we're, would... we're we're essentially talking sales and comics and eyeballs on the product. Yeah, I would wager number two at this point is Harley Quinn. Yes, I mean this is assuming you're breaking them out from each other. Yes, oh, yes, I am. Um, I mean, and that's what I mean. I this is that... this is a, this is putting Harley over uh, Joker even. I think so. Which I think is, I, is I think that's a tough call in my heart of hearts. That is what I would prefer. Yeah. Uh, because when we talk about this Harley, this is way more interesting than the, I don't know, the little simp boy fantasy. You right. know, this is, this is a, this is a much more interesting character. Um, mm, I mean, I think face yeah. turn for, Harley as part as part of the Bat family, yeah, is much much more interesting Harley to me than what you know she was for a long time, and and the fact mm -hmm. that Harley can carry a fifty plus issue series on her own, that like they spun her out into a fifty plus issue series, no other like sure other DC characters popped in, of course they did, but she carried that, and they started a new basically her own supporting supporting character and like a cast of supporting characters that were basically new yeah that followed her around you can't do that with a joker the joker I, you, can do, I was, you can do a mini series with a joker but i'm thinking the same thing and how many fucking mini series have there been over the years of the stupid ass joker um god, ugh, oh god no i'm just thinking about 50 issues like the, there's there's no there's no depth to the man where they have managed to I think flesh out uh, flesh out something interesting and worth reading uh, with Harley Quinn, even though kind of in general, she's not my cup of tea and she's a little, I, I, I don't know. My memory of her series is that it was still a little too Deadpool-y for me, but strong in general, you know, good overall. I mean, but I mean, I think just as DC is generally has acknowledged mm -hmm. her as the, of, like a tentpole character, and yeah. they are pushing her hard in all media, not just in their comic books. Um, and I think about back to Scott Snyder's run on the, on the characters, just who was writing it when we started this podcast. And we got the entirety of Tom King and then on to what them picking up the piece. Like, I don't know. Like, it's been a very it's been messy uh, since Tom King left because they scrambling and put Tinya on the book. And then Tinya leaves because he has his own indie stuff that will 
probably pay him a lot more money. Um, I like I don't think about Batman the same way that I used to. I just don't think about Batman. <laughs> I think reading a lot of Batman, especially more modern Batman, and seeing how they where they've pushed this pushed Batman. Even and even in this book, which I like Tinian's voices, I like I, this Batman that Tinian writes is way better than Scott Snyder's. Tinian has always written a thoroughly excellent Batman. Yeah, it's just the way, comics work is really good. Yes, I mean the way he can navigate the waters of DC, and he's always they've never treated him great. It seemed like it was always like a bunch of backup stories, a bunch of whatever. I I don't know. The man is extremely talented, and I hope he gets to make all of his dreams come true because every damn thing that I have read from him that isn't Batman is outstanding, and his Batman is certainly better than a lot of people that, that take aim on the character. Um, so yeah, good, good. keep keep doing it, bud. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just very curious what they're going to do with Batman moving forward, uh, because they don't seem to be backing away from this inc- gigantic. Like they have this, the you know that the page that has the entire every support, all the Robins and Nightwing and the, the two Batgirls and and like and Batwoman and Harley, and you're just like so many characters. They don't, mm-hmm. they're not backing away from that. They're embracing that, and that's interesting to me. Um, and this is this Batman we see, and this is a like he's not he's kind, you know, by the by by he's he's a the optimist, mm. he's positive, and it's, it he has a speech that kind of is yeah out of place. He's a far it, cry from Frank Miller, fascist, like wanking off over breaking people's arms and legs, Batman. Yes, and the Batman that we've seen in the DCU, by the way, the the. the the DC cinematic universe that that they don't seem to want to they want to make that Martha 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 why, why did you say that name Martha um, why did you Martha me also you, Martha Martha but uh, it's kind of just seeing I'm this is where we're at with Batman um I don't, I don't necessarily love this book I think like you said I think your word was it's fine. Mm-hmm. And I th- think it's fine. It looks very nice. Jimenez's art is great. It's um, the, the, I would buy this book, having very little taste for what's going on in it. I would buy it for how incredibly beautiful it is. Good God. It's very nice. It's very nice art. Um, and I think that is another thing that we will probably mention is the, over the length of this, the, the time we've done this podcast, comic book art has gotten to it like an incredible place <laughs> like we're just an average comic book you're like wow this is incredibly beautiful there's not a lot of losers out there they're all like superstars every single artist strangely enough uh i don't know what that means in our ranking system how do we say i'm i would say that i'm probably like uh a, like a five on the mush meter but i'm, I'm a buy I think that's I'm more positive on this book than I'm negative, and I think I'm ultimately want to tell DC that this is the Batman that I would want to see in the future. So mushy bye, the full five. Mm. I mean, I'll give you a high five, but I'm, I'm I don't want to buy this comic book. <laughs> I'm more of a low five kind of guy. Too slow. A split decision, Mushmeter five on Batman number one. 
17. Next up is Superman, Son of Kal-El, number five, written, well, script by Tom Taylor, John Timms on art, hi-fi, doing the color, Dave Sharp on letters. Uh, this book, this is the, 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 the YouTube uh, moron brigaders. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rob, but you know what happens when you uh, get woke? <laughs> you go broke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God almighty. They sure I, as shit reprinted this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, yes, this book is, this features the uh, John Kent uh, gay kiss, um, which is a nice moment, but ultimately it is just, it's a single moment in a, linger, a mm-hmm. longer comic book, which a comic book that I genuinely really like, that I will. I really I like this mm-hmm. th- this what they're doing with with John. This is not bad, and uh, Taylor's definitely someone who pretty consistently delivers. I don't like his boyfriend, though. I don't know. <laughs> you, don't, you don't like uh, uh, you don't like Kitty Pride, but uh, boy, <laughs> yeah, but but generic pink haired boy. He looks so bland. No I, no, I don't like his. I don't like the glasses on him. Honestly, that's brilliant. They look the no. They, I mean, his design's bad. Um, yeah, uh, pink-haired boy Velma. I don't like it with skinny <laughs> jeans. I don't. I don't mind the skinny jeans. I. I am. I am. I am on team skinny jean. Okay. okay. I'm only yes. pointing. I'm only pointing it out that they're there. It is. It is. It is an observation. Okay. Not a judgment. I am okay. team skinny jeans. But I don't. I don't like. I don't mind. The, I if it was a different haircut, I think I would be. If there was literally better. anything, he has. He has so little character. He's not interesting. Well, I just th- don't like. Is... I just don't like looking at him. It's like, hun, you can do so much better. <laughs> There's this is a uh, only one issue. He's he is got a little. He has a little more backstory than just a guy that Superman knows. But. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it, the, I think the design I think could be better, but maybe they'll, but you could change that quite mm-hmm. easily. Um, and maybe you know, maybe when he does his hair, he looks nicer. You know, he's chilling at it, home, just took yeah. a shower, doesn't want to do anything with it. I get they it. can they can improve the thing that's wrong with it. Um, I mean, I I again, I don't I think it's like that's interesting. I mean, I I'm I'm fine with the relationship. I think that's interesting enough, and I do like the idea of Superman falling for someone who is, you know, who has that ability of intangibility, who can avoid danger, and he doesn't someone he doesn't have to worry about. In context of a book that is all about him being pushed to do everything and try and mm-hmm. save all people, every all the problems. And uh, having Superman stretch too thin, I think that's a, it's an interesting way to get, like, that's the, you know, the, the age old conundrum about writing Superman is how do you make his, how do you challenge him when he has all these powers, you know, and stretch him too thin. It's a, they've done it many times, but it's a, it's a good trick. And when you modernize him over too much bread, like butter over we butter the bread with we butter our bread with butter. Okay, I don't know what you're quoting. That's a band. Okay, they're a comedy oh, metal band. Is that the is that the people with the, this guy's haircut? No, no, no. That's they've they have uh, collabed in the past. 
but that's the Eskimo Callboy is that band. I guess I guess it's just it's natural that metal has evolved into mimetic stupidity. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I I suppose I'm I, I suppose I'm here for it. I, <laughs> I don't I, I suppose uh, you know I need to put my money where my mouth is and I I say that art is too often serious. Um, it they're that the band's very silly. Um, even sillier than Eskimo Callboy, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but is heavier it, is, is it ser- sillier than uh, pink-haired Velma boy? In no, it is James? not. He's he's he does he's not that silly. He's a he's a pretty calm, chill dude. It seems, mm-hmm. which is probably good because John is a drama queen. Um, well, I got something to tell you about fictional characters. Is uh, drama follows them around. Well, I was just gonna say they're not very interesting when they're chill and nothing happens to them. I know, but I feel like it's it. You know, you they those are the give. kind of people you want to be your friends, not like your fictional, like the things that you read about. I think this book looks great. I'll looks probably good. say that. Yeah, I'm not uh, wild about it, um, but it's good. <laughs> good. Uh, but I'm a buy on this straight up. I like this book. I like this. Uh, I like John as Superman. Um, I don't know how I feel about Clark out in space doing stuff, but I don't know why you can't have both Superman on Earth. But whatever, let them do their. Let us see how it plays out. Well, you gotta let it. You got. It's it's more about letting John have his moment. I think. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I still. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it a million times. Mm-hmm. It's my only complaint, mm-hmm. really, about John, is that you got a new Superman. It gives you a perfect opportunity to give him trunks. I hate solid. Bl- I mean, the belt helps. The belt helps, but I want trunks. I want trunks on Superman. I don't care. Do you have Do you have any opinions? I'm surprised we haven't talked about this. Have you had any opinions on CM trunks? Relevant? I like the, I like the long boys. I liked all three of them. I think honestly, my favorite. Have I don't been like the fight the, shorts. I like. I love them. That's what I, I was going like to say. Them. I think my favorite has been the tie. The tie kickboxing shorts. If they weren't white, I wouldn't have a problem. But they're white. They kind of remind me of a diaper. I mean, so would so with the trunks. I know, and I'm, that's why I said I'm Team Long Boys. I'm a, I'm on a, okay. I'm on Team Long Boys. Okay, just not I'm on with Team Superman. Long Boys. Not not, with not not team long boys with Superman. No, because he's a, he's Superman. He's not CM Punk. CM Punk. He's is, supposed to. He's supposed to wear the trunks. He's. I like the Gotta idea. Show them thighs. I mean, it's not necessary show thighs. It's just to have definition there. I don't. It just looks formless. Looks like a Ken doll without the trunks. I don't like it. I'm gonna buy on this comic book. Um. Mm. Mm. I don't want to say no. Okay. I think maybe maybe I'll go like four on the mush meter because I don't I'm not blown away. I don't love it, but there's literally no reason to say that it's bad or any of that stuff. Um I don't know, God bless them. Uh it's it's fine. Superman really can do better. Everything he, is fine, Eric. He Eric really he really fine. can do well, I it's mean fine. I making me read a bunch of Batman comics isn't fucking fine. Oh, do you want to read more Batman? Fuck no. <laughs> I mean, it's just going to happen. We it's, can read more Grant Morrison Batman. Would you like to do that? I mean, I read think it, that read, also, I, get, that all, that also doesn't stop happening. It's like 
it's like how spam keeps coming with your breakfast in, in the Monty Python bit. That's a has double a, that buy. Has a little bit of Batman in it. <laughs> double buy on Superman, Son of Kal-El, number five, with a mush meter of two and a half. Right? No, two. Just two. two. You said four. Jeez. Four. I think you can't learn do math vision. anymore. What do you want me to do math after five o'clock at night? You're crazy. Uh, our next book, we're moving over to Marvel. I followed it's our... five o'clock somewhere. It's five o'clock somewhere. Time I to follow... stop doing math. Man, I, I don't do math any part of the day. I'm very bad. Um, I uh, also followed, I don't know if you noticed this, Eric, but I followed our, our, our traditional starting format of mm-hmm. two Marvel, two DC, and an indie book. That was that was the tradition for a very Set long time from the days of old. And then I went, "This is stupid. I'm not doing this anymore." <laughs> <laughs> Tired of this you garbage. Picking out books that I'm Whatever. gonna fucking hate. <laughs> I mean, it's good to have strong feelings. People like strong emotions. They don't like fine. They like well, either my, I love it or I hate it. My my emotions are very strong. They're alpha even. They're Sigma. I was I'm, I, I have, I'm, an, I'm an Omicron male. <laughs> I don't want to learn the entire Greek alphabet. No. No. Uh, next up is Venom, number one. Uh, written by Al Ewing and Ram V. Pencils, Brian Hitch. Inks, Andrew Curry. Colors, Alex Sinclair. Letters, Clayton Cowles. I said, we're, we're, this is Venom, number one. We're doing Hulk, number one, next. Al Ewing, Donny Cates. It is... They switched superheroes. Mm-hmm. They swapped. I thought yep. it was. I thought it, they just finished really big runs on both these characters, both character defining runs in a lot of ways. They just uh, they just did a chest pass. I guess swap uh, books. And we were big fans of Immortal Hulk. Not so big fans of the Venom, even though it started off. I felt like I really would like it, and then it just disappeared. I yeah got too big for me. I don't. I, I don't know. I no. I I and I agree. Just like Null is such a bad, dumb '90s, like the bad side of '90s stuff character. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but this I is this is this is Al Ewing picking up the Venom Ball, and now and turning him into a like time paradoxes and like heavy sci-fi stuff. I guess. I'm not sure. I guess it's, it's like a, he has all. I believe it's just an excuse for Hitch to draw abs. I mean, that's every book for Brian Hitch, honestly. In in, of, in it abs in space. Abs in space. I I'm getting flashbacks um, of Venom Space Night, which was not good. Um, I try to like it, but I, I but I, this is obviously and there's like multiple Brocks, multiple Eddies running around. You're just like. And what like one's trying to take his kid and you're like, is who's Eddie? Who's not? That's I like that's all stuff's really interesting to me. I'm well, not necessarily to me because I, I took one look at it and my brain turned to do do. I'm like, what is happening in this fucking book? Well, I mean, you're not. I don't think you're supposed to know, Eric. Well, that's good because I fucking don't. You're confused by you don't you don't you can't follow it. I think my brain was largely turned off when I read this book. I don't know. Like I, I, I get some high points, you know. I know what's going on, but I don't know. Did I did, mean did 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 uh did too much ecstasy this weekend or something. I don't know what's <laughs> up. I it's I will say that it is not a first issue that immediately makes me go, Oh, I'm on board. 
Mm. I am not like the super level of excited I could be. Like, oh, I definitely am. This is a book to watch for me. I am going to keep. I'm going to keep. Either I'm going to subscribe to it on on my comicsology, or I'm going to go. Oh, I need to remember when. Watch this in five months when a trade comes out and buy a trade, something like that. Um, it's not that level. This is more like check in on it. See how people think, how people have what people mm-hmm. reacted, see where the story's going and see it, you know, will I then make the decision to buy a trade, you know, whatever like that. Um, but it's not like, I don't think it's bad. I've always been like, I, Hitch is fine. I like Hitch, you know, it's, I don't dislike Hitch. And I think he doesn't it, excite me the way that he did. in I don't know, 2002. Yeah, it's it's the 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 cinematic style has kind of gone out of style, and I was never a big fan of it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But the, some of the designs in this are really neat, and I like Al Ewing. I'm I, he's gotten to the point where, I, and I he might always have it at this point. After Immortal Hulk, after mm-hmm. how good that was, and how interesting and how different it is, I probably for a very long time I'm probably going to give him a pass and say, well. Yep. See what he does. See what he does, turns it into. I'm a believer. Yeah, exactly. So I'm. I'm a. I think I'm a buy, but wait for trade on this. Uh, you know, whatever that means. I don't think I like comic books anymore. That's um, a, that's, that's not good, Eric. You should yeah, like it's comic not, books. It's, it's it's not the best. No, I I don't know. I did not have a fun time reading this. I agree with you uh, about Ewing that I would give just about anything. Uh, a chance but i would need you or someone else to sign on and and be like well this is good um you should read it you know when it comes out in trade or something i would not pick up this first issue i would not i would not pick up the trade unless someone gave it a glowing review someone that i like cared about their opinion um, because this this is thoroughly not doing it for me, and while it's not bad, I really expect to be grabbed by the throat by Ewing, uh, and I'm not, I'm not. It's not, it's not doing it. Do you like time paradox stories? Only time Chrono travel. Trigger. I think that's the exception that proves the rule, Eric. Because mm-hmm. Chrono Trigger is is like it's. You know, it is the the second best JP, JRPG ever made. Smack the taste out of your mouth, son. Earthbound's better. Sorry. Oh my god, it absolutely is not. In no way is it better. Do you have a? Do you get calls from your dad in Chrono Trigger telling you to? No, and take, I don't take, real take, and take I don't in real life either. Well, maybe in you could play Earthbound. You can have some. You should call your call your call your dad, Eric. You know, t- talk to him about. Uh, why so they could make me depressed? Talk to, him, talk, <laughs> talk to him about Yellowstone. He'll love that. He no, I don't want to hear him. I don't want to hear him grouse and say old man shit about Kevin and, Costner and depress me. Yeah, he doesn't need to talk about Kevin Costner. I'm a buy. Wait for trader. You just a do not buy, Eric. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fairly firm but polite. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you, Al Ewing. Mm-hmm. It's just he so, just hasn't done it for me here. Someone passes you a plate of valuing at Thanksgiving. You're like, no, no thanks. Pass it's it more like you go to the party and you're like, you're not going to drink. And someone offers you a drink and you're like, oh, no, thanks. 
not drinking today. That's fair enough. Uh, that's a split decision on Venom number one. Next up is Hulk number one, Smashtronaut part one. Jesus Christ. By by Don I mean that's the name. I read it. Yeah. By Donnie by Donnie Cates and Ryan Otley. Colors by Frank Martin. Letters Corey Pettit. Uh so sorry. <laughs> I uh I read Angry Fanboys reaction to this before I read the comic book. Um and like Was it is it is it too woke for them, first of no, all? No, it's more about you're just it's it was more directed about like oh he's donnie and ryan otley are taking the immortal hulk stuff and just throwing in the garbage and where i we what they change the status quo just immediately after the book's over and i don't know at a certain point you collect a run of a of a character you know immortal hulk it had a beginning and an end beginning middle end you collect that you read it and you treasure it but it's comic books. It's superhero comic books in particular. They're not, nothing's going to last forever, man. So I'm, I'm more like, well, the next run, is it something interesting? Does it, what does it do with the character? And when Dr. Strange says the words, he's turned the Hulk into a spaceship. I'm like, all right, I'm up for that. <laughs> that's some pretty, that's, that's some pretty typical Donny Cates insane stupidity. Yes, exactly. Um, I, 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 I expect it from him now. This is why you come to the man, is he's going to take your superheroes and turn turn the Punisher into Ghost Rider in mm -hmm. space. Because, yeah, he's a madman. Um, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm on board for this fucking stupidity uh, just because it's over the top and stupid. The Hulk gets his arm ripped off and he makes a new arm out of the Hulkbuster. Um, yeah, this is fucking batshit crazy. Banner it's, going on some bizarre multidimensional journey to improve himself into something. God knows what. He's just, he's he's trying to discover his, his inner Sigma male. I guess. I don't, but that's the thing, like, this is big and stupid, and I don't know, Donnie, I didn't like Donnie's Venom run, but... Donnie's written some great comic books and is still writing a lot of great comic books. His indie stuff's all good. Um, he, he knows, he knows, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And even, and like, I would, I didn't like the Venom stuff, but I'm not going to necessarily say, oh, he shouldn't do it then. Because sometimes you take swings and it's not going to work for everyone. And that's perfectly okay when you, but you go back up to the plate and he swings again. And hey, this thing is crazy as hell and stupid. And I, he's turned the Hulk into an engine for a starship. <laughs> it's the Hulk's rage is the is, is a as a fuel for a, a Hulk ship as that's going to go on a multi dimensional journey or some crazy hell. Uh, Otley's art is great, uh, especially good for the Hulk and for uh, not longer. It's not really the body horror thing that was going on. Mm. The Mortal Hulk. Um, this is good. I'm gonna buy on this. It's certainly a great little book, and I'm better for having read it. It gives me hope that comic books are not terrible. <laughs> comic books are terrible, Eric. There's so many of them. I know, man. Come on. Some of them have to be good. It's just probability. Uh, that's a double buy on Hulk number one. Our last book is What's the Place Furthest from Here? Number one. Uh, storytelling by Tyler Boss and Matthew Rosenberg. Letters, Hassan Asman Al-Hal. Uh... This was the 
the the indie book from the last month or so that's gotten a lot of buzz, the most buzz. Give me, give me, what's your hot take, Eric? I think my hot take is exasperated. Sigh. <laughs> okay, now you don't, you don't like this. I mean, what the hell is to like? This is like, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I did not have a good time reading this. It just feels like a bunch of crazy shit to me. It's it's fine. I'm not really attached, interested or attached to any of these characters or what's happening to them or the mystery of this weird world where it's a bunch of high school punks and for some reason it's the uh, the apocalypse. Like I I don't know, it's weird, man. I don't no more, all the adults are gone, all dead. Yeah. There's also um, a weird witch, a couple weird witches, I think, and a gang of, there's rival gangs gang, in the post-apocalypse, gang, gang of pig-faced people um, in a record store, which apparently is going to be a big focus of, they, the, I don't know if you've read the afterwards or not, but it's like they're talking a lot about music and how music is important. That's the thing that doesn't connect to me at all, where I'm just like, I don't need, the, I guys, Kieran Gillen exists, you can't. You're not going to out Gillen. Yeah, Gillen. you can't. You can't out. You can't out Gillen the Gillen. He's already done it, man. You like. You can't do the music thing better than he did. Is he his uh, own genre now? I guess effectively. This, uh, this is also a, this is a great comic in the Kieran Gillen genre. Yeah. Well, it reminds me also of. He would write this so much better. This would be so much cooler. It would fucking make sense. Oh my god, it would make sense. I here, I I like the art a lot. Um, it's moody, and I think I like it fine. It's very I appreciate it. It's very, it's very indie comic. Um, it is. It does. It is that this whole book just bleeds that. It's like, hey, this is this is very indie. Look at the indiness of it. Um, I think it largely does the right stuff where it doesn't. You know, it doesn't spend a lot of time just talking about world building. It is focusing on this group of characters. I think it is. There's a little too many of them at first. I think we see too many of them. And you're just like, I don't know. I, I can't keep track of who's who and what's what and why is th- why are things happening? And this book is really long too. It's a, a yeah. It's a it's a big issue. This reminds me also of why well, can't I remember the name of the book we read so long ago at this point. Maybe because we read one of them and it was a long time ago. No, it was a for book club. It was a graphic novel, um, also involving children in a post-apocalypse, a weird post-apocalypse. The Wrenchies? I don't know what you mean. That is it. Well, in one. That's the one I was. Thinking. How dare reminds- you forget Feral Dalrymple? Feral Dalrymple. I would that in it. It reminds me of the Wrenchies also. Um, I the Wrenchies is I think better because the, the, like Wrenchies commits <laughs> to no I mean it's worth it's worth being incredulous the Wrenchies commits to like one thing this is like let's cram everything in a book it's one issue I said Eric. the I said the Wrenchies commits to one thing and that's not true that is also not the, true but this the, is the one thing issue that, you gotta... the thing that the Wrenchies commits to is being dreamy nonsense in in that it is in that it is one thing, so every damn thing is in it. This comes off as trying to be like a narrative, and to me, it's just too messy. 
And well, here, here, Eric. Let me counterpoint you. Let me let me give you one alternative and see how you feel about it. Which is a this is a running theme over the past multiple years of this podcast at this point, where this is a book that should not be serialized. This is a book yeah. that should be a graphic novel. This should just be one story in one collection, and you read the whole thing through, and if it's good or it's bad, but it's all in one thing. There's no big hook here. Like I I, I think like it's it is kind of messy and dreamy, but because it's serialized it wants you, it wants to hook you and like oh look there someone's missing and like someone died and you're like i well that's not enough of a hook because i don't have enough of a connection with them because you spent so much time in all these other characters and i don't there's not one thing that is pulling me through this story it is like seven things little tiny things all trying to pull me through this story this book should just be a graphic novel it should not you should i don't i matthew rosenberg's a good writer uh, I like a lot of his stuff. We've read some, a lot of his stuff on this podcast, but I don't think you should. And largely, we've read it in book club because we get to the, we go here. We can judge this as a cohesive thing. This is a single issue. If you want to read this, check. I say I will check this out. I will again. I will give this the maybe at when it comes out in trade. I'll see what the buzz is. See what people think about it. I wouldn't. This is not a, a book you need to read issue to issue. Like. I don't, I don't, I don't see the need for it. It see, it, like even the idea, like you just described it, Eric. You used the word indie like five times. That like it should be, it should be a graphic novel that's like you know, a mm-hmm. couple inches thick, and then that's well, it. I mean, I mean, our 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 buddy Farrell Dalrymple had the cojones to release it as a, a, a an inch thick uh, indie publication. I would rather see that. Yes, and that's that's where I'm at. I don't know what I think. That's a do not buy this and issue issue. Check it out in trade. That's that's what I say. Mm. I mean, it's not exactly a hot. It's a pretty tepid take at this point. I know that's it's what just, I mean. It's I've just it a bunch it's of just times. fucking facts. So are you are you on board with me or are you just straight up a do not buy? I would consider reading a trade for this but I still feel like I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> you know what, Eric? Maybe you're just in a bad mood when you're at your comic books. No, I'm in a great <laughs> mood. I'm in a great mood, asshole. I mean, you literally, before we started recording, you did talk about being in- angry at not being able to connect video games because of resolution issues or, and probably a million other technological reasons. I was no, I was just disappointed <laughs> because, as I've said, I was 0-3. I tried to get three systems to work, and shit didn't happen. A lot of problems. So you gotta. What you do is you wake up and you have a coffee and a donut, and then you read all your comic books with a donut in your mouth. That's what I do. That's not what I do, but I think it is a good metaphor. And a cat in your lap. Sometimes that is that is absolutely sometimes the case. Mm -hmm. Harvey the idiot will sit in my lap while I read a comic. The fool. The fool. He is the fool, if anything. Mm-hmm. That's a double maybe, maybe wait for trade <laughs> on, yeah. wait, on wait for a collection of what's the place furthest from here, number one. Pretty, pretty also, I'm tired squishy. of I'm tired of this. Here, I'm going to uh, this is I don't know if this is a hot take or not, Eric, but I'm I'm, I'm going to put my foot down on this. Comic book writers, 
whoever or whoever's titling your comic books, stop. Please, <laughs> please stop with this. All right. What's the place furthest from here? Question mark number one. What is this? What are we like doing? Like Godspeed, you Black Emperor titles for for comic book names. Now we just have like a sentence. Who do, you, the who name do you think you are, Zack Saber Junior? Yeah, exactly. You're not. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to do it. Please, I want to just. Can you just give it two words? Three words. Come on. Would I name? A, would you name a movie? What's the place furthest from here? Question mark. Mm-hmm. If you're some artsy fartsy fuck, maybe. Mm-hmm. Get the way. Stop. Come on. <sighs> All right. <laughs> that is something I'm not going to budge on. All right. There's I've a bit. Been, in, I feel there's like a, there's a bit in BoJack Horseman where the there's a there's an old man that doesn't understand long movie titles. You're like, that's not a movie name. <laughs> One word, two words, the something. That's a movie title. <laughs> that's that's who I mean. That's who I am now. I'm an old man who just wants. Mm-hmm. I did just release a book that's called What Dwells Beneath the Waves, so I'm also a massive hypocrite. So, Good Lord. We're going to put fair, you in the stocks. I know. Whip me with a wet noodle. Well, you had to go make it. You had to go make it kinky. I can't help who I am. You know, fair. I support your journey. <laughs> that's it for floppies. We can move on to our next segment. It is time for checking in checking in is the part of the show where can i talk about what we've been doing past little whiles past month now it's been a while eric Mm -hmm. uh i'm sure that both you and i have done many things i just went into cold storage oh winter soldier uh, yeah for this whole time i'm sorry and then someone woke you up with your word and you had to go kill uh, somebody Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, someone it, someone put a, a piece of paper uh, in my mouth, and I had to fulfill my pact with God to or the devil. I don't know what's going on. It's a greater power. I don't it's, question it it's too much. True. What do you want to talk about, Eric? <sighs> Such a burden. It's not. I just like. I'm about to talk about some shit that no one's gonna fucking care about. Whatever, fuck them. That's true. But you're also, your eyes, I could, I can, like, hear, like, the sound of your eyes glazing over, you know? <laughs> Are you going to talk about, uh, like, some, uh, some cable, like, e- like, uh, it, here, it's going to, it's going to be like a, it, this is an EGT cable, and I need to use that to connect my, uh, my, uh, my upscram to my retroarch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I plug that into my CR, this CRT, but I don't use it on my other. I have four CRTs that I set up. I only use it on my leftmost CRT. That's the one I think works best with the upscan on the uh, my my EGT cable with my scram unit. How'd I do? It's gonna be a lot of that. Yes, <laughs> I mean that's fair. It's gonna be a lot of that. <laughs> that's your fair. Scram, Talk your about scram it. unit. <laughs> scram that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I do find it interesting, but I listen to a, I listen. I don't partake. I listen to a lot of people on po- video game podcasts and you talk about these things. And after a while, it is like, yes, it feels like you could be making it up, and I wouldn't know the difference. Oh no, 
Well, that's the thing. There's no bottom to it. There's there's no bottom to it. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> oh I do enjoy it though. I don't. I don't. I I appreciate the the the, the depths of the nerdery. Yeah, and um, that that is a big part of um, things that I think I'm drawn to is the just the the passion and the depth of these things. You know, it, it's well. I'll talk about that too, just to have some things to discuss. Um, so. The word that you made up is is you were searching for upscaler. <laughs> I don't know what a scram unit is, but if ever there was a scram unit, this is one. I got obsessed with it, ended up buying one on eBay. It is called the OSSC Open Source Scanline Converter. So... For those that don't know, because so many of us just played um, low-resolution games on CRT televisions, which are apparently fucking miracles, you know, consumer CRTs back in the day, um, and they would just do anything you threw at it. Like, every retro system, in terms of original consoles, just does everything all over the place. Everything's different. You go from one screen to the next, the resolution changes. All this stuff is just batshit crazy. And if you want to digitize a high resolution signal out of it, as in put it on uh, an HDTV or stream it, chances are it's going to look like dog shit. And that has been my experience uh, working with this stuff. But the OSSC solves a lot of those problems. And I've been experimenting with it, trying to get signals in and out of it. Um, I had a, a horrible, weird, crazy thing happen the other day where my expensive CRT, uh, which retails for more than a grand on eBay now, um, it just went black, you know, when I was playing a game the other day. And I freaked out and redid my whole setup and... Thankfully, nothing's broken, and it turns out maybe the problem was a bad cable. Um, but I, you would you would laugh at me if you saw all the shit that I get hooked up into this thing. You know that uh, to 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 get this thing to even work, um, which I keep tinkering with it, and I do want to go back and start streaming more, maybe starting in January. Um, but you have to like split this the analog signal one to the monitor so you can play and one to the capture card or in this case it goes to the OSSC um but i don't know the OSSC is great because it will it will clean up the graphics it kind of interpolates things it does things line by line and adds it it adds no lag so you can play uh, a very twitchy action based game you could play your marios or whatever on your HDTV and it doesn't add like frames of lag. Like I, I don't know if you've experienced these games where they just play like really bad and really swimmy and it makes them very hard, um, to get through a game. Um, this, this cuts around that. Um, but it also is one of the best things. Like if, if you see anyone capturing, like putting really great looking, uh, game footage on YouTube or, twitch or something they are using one of these things it's it's pretty cool um 
Oh gosh, this has made me forget the thing that I was going to talk about. You you blew me away with Scram Unit. <laughs> I'm a comedy oh genius. It's true. Fucking, you you got me with that one. I I I saw you. You seem to be doing many art walks, Eric. It seems like every day there's an Instagram <sighs> post about you supporting your studio space. I did two of them in one day last Saturday. I've, I've done a lot of things um, over the past couple of months, and it's been exhausting. It's run me down into the ground. Um, so I have definitely not been in cold storage for the past couple of months. That is certainly, certainly the case. Um, oh, Lord, what was I going to talk about? Brain no worky anymore. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I, I remember the two things I was going to also talk about. There is a, uh, I mean, speaking of retro gaming, there is a very cool thing. It's supposed to be very hard to come by. Um, the creator of Celeste, which is one of my all-time favorite games at this point, created a Super Mario World ROM hack. Um, <laughs> it's it's called Sonic Sa- Super Sonic Saves the World. <laughs> and it has it has Sonic the Hedgehog in it. Of course. And it's very stupid. And it's very funny. Um th- the they also the creator allegedly it says allegedly in the game created by Maddie allegedly. Um allegedly they created this ROM hack. Um but they don't want it put on ROM hack websites. They don't want ROMs distributed or the patches or whatever, because that's usually the way that it's people distribute the patches. You patch the ROMs yourself. Um, and it's, you know, the, these websites aren't really distributing anything that's, um, you know, they can get taken down from Nintendo. Um, so the way that they want it shared is it has to be organically. You have to get it from a person who has it. Uh, but I don't know, be on the lookout for, um, Super Sonic Saves the World. Very recently, uh, one of my favorite streamers put some VODs up on YouTube. Uh, Grand Pooh Bear is doing a playthrough and it looks really fun. So I would suggest checking it out. Um, so also speaking of YouTube on my long pandemic journey, I have found another fork uh when when talking about just like madness and infinite depth and being super impressed by the nerdity is chess youtube oh yeah there is a lot there is um and i mean chess chess youtube and twitch has been pretty lit for a minute i think a lot of it is in reaction to um oh gosh what's the beth Harmon story queen's gambit Queen's Gambit is indeed what it is, um, which is excellent. Um, not exactly flawless, good, but you know, certainly worth, certainly worth your time. Um, but chess, tw- chess Twitter is uh, chess Twitter. Fuck, ch- fuck everything on Twitter. Um, chess <laughs> YouTube is a lot of fun. Um, I'm learning a lot. I'm still pretty terrible. Um, but I, I, I enjoy it. It is, a another dumb thing to start enjoying. 
I think I mostly watch uh, Gotham Chess on YouTube because he just has an interesting personality and way of presenting uh, his material. What was that? What was the chess YouTube you suggested? Gotham Chess. Gotham Chess. Okay, but there there are a couple of people that keep popping up. Um, I know. I I now know who the top chess player on Earth is. Uh, I can't. I don't know. His, I can't do his name off the top of my head. But. I do. Okay. Magnus Carlson. I don't know how you Magnus. forget that name. I knew Magnus. The, I didn't remember what's the last the, name. What's though. the fucking weightlifter whose name was Magnus? Uh, there Magnus, was a strong man who was. Yes, Magnus von Magnuson. I think is his name. What a fucking t- what a ridiculous name. Magnus, son of Magnus. Oh my god. What's this? Like translated, that's his name. Is <laughs> Magnus, son of I'm Magnus. Gonna, I'm gonna enter strongman competitions under the name Chuck Steak or Crash <laughs> Fist Fight. I mean, Bjorn Thorson. Yeah. Is, yeah, like, you know, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, Dick Hardington. <laughs> Richard Blood. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, the month since we recorded, I don't know. I know that time passed. Like I am aware that we have continued on with the earth, but it feels like I did. I did nothing. It feels like I didn't manage to get nothing. I did almost nothing in that month. It felt like, Um, see when you, when you measure your life in the, in the productivity, I know it's, it's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, you did. Fair, you I, you I did. Like I, uh, you had a very I, successful book selling event. I did. I sold books in person for the first time at a horror for the holidays bazaar here in Austin, Texas. It's a, a two day event. At the first time at the Palmer Event Center downtown. Um, there is a it's a it's a horror horror themed gift bazaar. It's for to buy gifts theoretically to buy gifts for people and who the fa- horror fans in your life for the holidays. Um, I don't think that's necessarily everyone that was there for. They're probably just horror fans. It's just an horror convention to some people. There's no like celebrity guest or anything. It's just a bizarre. There's like there's people dressed up as Krampuses. That was the theme, Krampus. So there's a lot of people dressed as Krampus. Uh, but I, I it it was I went well, uh, better than I thought it did. I think like I didn't really think about it as it was happening. I was just trying to i was in bookseller mode trying to be you know stand up be uh you know uh, uh, nice to people and say hello ask people how they're doing talk about your things you know draw people in um but i sold a good amount of books Uh, i think it gives me a little bit of an idea what i can how i can do that more in the future sell books in person uh turns out I prefer it than trying to sell books to online to the mm-hmm. to faceless people on Amazon. Well, I mean, you're you're it's a lot harder for people to ignore a message. Uh, <clears throat> you know, o- online it's all it's all noise. You know, yes. you can be you can be part of the signal in person. Yes, um, I, and it's it's a face, and you could smile and or well, I was wearing a mask, but you can. Be nice and kind and say how you're doing. And yeah, I, yes, these are my books. People were routinely surprised when I revealed that I was the writer of these books. Which <laughs> What? A person wrote this? <laughs> I mean... They, I thought I, books were written by robots. I, I didn't think of... I've never done this. I never I have sold books in person. 
and at a like at a table and i like it was many times like oh, probably two dozen times people came up to there was the reaction of oh you're the writer yeah i'm there's only one person here <laughs> these are yeah these are all my books uh maybe next time i might i'll wear a name tag yes i wrote these books yeah, let people be surprised it's it's I a mean, thrill for them i yes it, i mean it's more just like i don't want people to not come over because they think i'm just some salesman or something you know i don't know. i would I think say it, if you made the amount of money selling fucking books at you know at a, in an event like i've been to you've You've got you you've you've hit oil. You're doing fine. Like yeah, that's a, that's a very very good profit. Most of the people I know who have been selling art for years, like that's a very like the number you told me is a very good day for them. I mean, it was it was it was a it was a two day event, so that's both days. Um, the it was the first yeah, day was long. Lo- the first day was longer, and it but I did worse. So I don't. It was also crappy outside. The weather wasn't terrible, and it was that cold. has a lot to that has a lot to do with it. People don't want to leave the house. No, it's um, no, it it it's very good. Um, you might. Uh, it, it's hard to say what uh part of the magic uh made it work out for you, but no, that's a very good day. So think about what worked and double down on it. But I I don't think. I don't think Trump up the fact that I'm the author, like just <laughs> I, well, being there and being humble is probably part of the the magic I, that worked out. Some some young man asked to take a picture with me mm-hmm. and I was like, OK, sure. Guy, he's probably like 20, but he felt like he looked like a child to me. But I'm like, you're probably I mean, he's an adult, but people still come into my studio and ask me uh like they're like what do you do or like where's your where's your art i'm like you're fucking it's, like it's you're everywhere. literally surrounded by it <laughs> everything like, yeah no it, like the room is fucking full of it like it's there's so much in here it's going to give you a seizure it's you know it's like, that uh it's, it's that clerk's joke how what do you, how much does this cost or mm-hmm. what they the sign bright like it's very much like i my price is very clearly marked yeah. a big sign and everyone's like how much is this book well, you, well i mean you you just will have to just get used to it yeah, because uh, yes, people I will but i mean labeling labeling it also helps but people will not stop asking you know you you have to do both d- d- like labeling it will make people buy stuff but it also like it will not stop people from asking it could yeah. you could write it in fucking marker in big ass letters on the front cover covering the whole thing and they will pick it up and be like how much is this thing that says 999 um but it was it was a good experience it was very tiring yeah it's exhausting uh, very very tiring but uh it was nice uh, you know i was the only also I was the only writer there which might have helped obviously like there's no competition yeah is only there's like you know a variety of different kind of arts and 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 horror crafters and people mm-hmm. and, and you know traditional artists plus pins earrings whatever clothing but no other writers which i don't know maybe that's it's it's good to be different and stand out i think it also helps that you've invested a lot of money um in having really excellent covers 
Um, cause most writers that are indie writers have something that was like made by their six year old nephew, <laughs> you know, on a hacked version of clip studio paint. Yes. Um, as, and, and I, you know, I'd followed traditional convention advice. Like you build height on mm-hmm. your table and you, you stand up and you, you know, when people walk by, you say, hello, how are you? And maybe they won't stop. And that's okay, but it gives you an entry point. Maybe they will, et cetera, et cetera. I follow, which, I don't know. There's a lot of people just, a lot of people, people like everyone in my view was sitting down the entire time. I'm like. People, people are quitters. I stand as much as I can, yeah. but, you know. I mean, I was, my feet hurt so bad by the end, but whatever. I It worked. I don't care. I'll stand even more. I'll just be beat up it's fine um i, I have a video game eric my god i know um I tell me about your scram unit <laughs> my scram unit i plugged in my scram unit to my crt and i played a, a, a modern video game on it because i'm i i like scan lines i don't know i mean they are nice um, i mean it dep- I, do you want to do you want to learn do you want to hear do you want to hear some dumb shit that i heard i learned uh, uh, what go was ahead. it called? It was Shadow Shadow Masks. Okay. I learned about fucking Shadow Masks. What's a Shadow Mask? It is an it is an emulation of a CRT artifact, much like ah. scan lines are. Oh, okay. And I, it just I... got added to the Mr. FPGA project. <laughs> okay, nice. You got it then. I don't care. I'm not <laughs> playing on a flat like it. I'm, I okay. don't need it. Okay, fair enough. I uh, I've been playing lots. I'll first say this: I've been playing lots of Sea of Thieves with uh, Kim and a friend, and I've been having a lot a lot of fun with that. Um, but the game I would talk about is called Unpacking. It's a I'm glad tiny... you're just not moving because you wrote Unpacking in the notes. Yes, Unpacking is the name of the game. It is on Xbox Game Pass for PC and Xbox Game Pass regular regular version of it too. Um, so that's why I played it. Uh, I might have eventually like it, that service is just I cannot recommend it enough because it gives me a lot. Of, it gives me access to a lot of games I would eventually get to, but because they're free and they're right there, I check them out and I end up really liking them. Unpacking is a very short experience. It's like a two-hour game probably. If you play it once, you can play it multiple times. It gives you different, slightly different experiences. I would not ever probably play it again. But unpacking is it kind of is what the name is. It is the game is you unpacking boxes you're following someone's life you don't know anything about them aside from what you unpack um you never see them you never read about them all you see is where they live and what you're unpacking and uh it's a like isometric um views of different rooms uh the the art style is very cute um and but you're just literally clicking your mouse around uh, click on a box to open it up and you pop things out of the box one at a time and you place it around a room and then multiple rooms and then an entire house as this person ages and uh, have moved has moved on with their life and moved up in the world theoretically. Um, but there is regression at times, as you see. Um, but it's very simple and very cute. And there's a lot of little fun Easter eggs in it, depending on where because you choose where you place 
all these items. Like, like the very first level, I believe, is like a your a children's room, and then you move on as they get older. You go to a dorm room, and then you move in with some your first relationship, and et cetera, et cetera. And you decide where you put everything, you know. And you have stuffed animals that oh, this stuffed animal they have when they're a kid. They have them in high school. They have them as they're a young adult, as they're an older adult. They kept this this item. You see it four or five different times as they move. Um, other items come and go, and you you track these things, and that's how you kind of uncover and think about you're you're building their story. You know, there, there's there's very little that is explicit about what their life is, and you are basically piecing together the story by what items are coming with them and where they are living, and it by it it doesn't do a lot. You know, you're doing all this, but it by doing it, making it, keeping it so simple and so subtle, it really like it, it, it stuck with me. I still think about it. You know, it's a two hour game. I played it in two settings. Um, there was a, a brief meme when it came out because all the like little, all the young children, the gen, the gen Zers and the gen alphas, they were playing it. And in one of the levels, you unpack a GameCube, and they didn't know what it was. They went to Twitter, like, where, where do I put this in the house? I keep getting – because if you don't put it, uh, an item in the right place, the game will not let you progress. So you have to put, you know, things in the kitchen that go in the kitchen. Things for the living room stay in the living room. You don't put a, you don't put a GameCube in the bathroom. But they didn't know what a GameCube was. They're like, oh, no, I'm old. Um, I think also that I am like literally the probably the target age. We are that the age where we're like, oh, we're, you know, relatively independent and now have our own living space and decide largely how we want it to look and what we have and our furniture and our nerdy shit that we decorate the house with. Like, I'm, I'm wondering what kind of scram unit they have in this game. What kind of scram unit they got. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's you really need a, you need an up scrammer for that game. I, need, I, I know exactly, uh, th- but it's it's really interesting, and then like it it makes me think. I've I have moved many times in my life, and it makes me think of all those times I've moved and what I've left behind because you see things fall away. You see the very first time. This is the thing I think stuck with me most of everything in this game is. The very you 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 have like two or three moves, so three two or three levels effectively where you're unpacking stuff, and and then you move in with a partner for the first time, and you recognize that there is not enough space for both of us for all our things. How do I make my clothes fit in in the same space as theirs? We only have one closet. What do I do? You know, and you are deciding this. There's no that your whoever this person is, your your relationship with, and you don't know them either. You can only infer who they are from their the stuff in their house or their apartment. So you have to like, okay, well, I need to move their pants over here so my pants will fit. But do I put my pants on top of their pants? Do I like you? It's like all those little tiny decisions. That... Throw their pants out and let it get sexy. <laughs> But I mean, it's things like that where you're like, oh, I want to put my video games in this bookshelf nearest the TV, but they have it fancy. Like, you know, they have like a fancy DVD player and they keep all their media over here in a media place like, you know, because it's set different time periods. It's all not modern era. 
Um, it's not all present day, obviously, because there's GameCubes. But it's a really cute game, and I really I would suggest. Um, it's also very chill, very relaxing. Because it it's won like, a zillion awards, apparently. A zillion? That's a lot. Um, there are a lot real- on. I'm on the I'm on the website for it. There are many, many, many on here. There's is, a lot of. There's a lot of. It's a. It's the a type lot, of game a lot of wheat, gonna, a lot of olive gonna, branches, or whatever <laughs> shit it is. It's gonna. It's one of those games that's gonna win a lot of like small indie awards because it is. It appeals to that kind of sensibility, I think. But I think it. It is. It is a game. It's not a toy. That's the like you know when you think about games like that where you're like oh it's not there's not much video game to it mm-hmm. there is a game in here um, it's not a big it's not a heavy game it's not a lot of strategy but it is a game and it does tell a really good story without telling a story at all and I think that's the it it is that that is what I look for in, in like interesting new video games in games that tell stories without having a protagonist there's no protagonist in this game. There's just boxes and items, and how can that... And they use that to tell a story, and I think that's very interesting and, and creative and new. It's a thing I think you can only do in a video game, and I think that's another thing that's like really interesting to me. It's like, there's no other way you could tell this story. Alan Moore would be proud. <laughs> he probably would. If, if his, his daughter showed him unpacking. What's Alan this? Game, game cube. Game cube. What's that? Is there a Zubat on that? Is that the Pokemon he was photographed with? Yes, yeah. That was his daughter. Had a Pokemon Go picture of him with a Zubat. My favorite Pokemon is Alakazam, because I am also a shaman. I'm also a shaman. Alakazam also speaks to ghosts from centuries past using... Paganic, paganistic magic. Well, he is, he is uh, super effective against ghosts. See? This is some, this is some glorious dicking around. We need, I mean, I mean, it's the time. It's episode 300. Eric, we might mm-hmm. as well celebrate our long history of impersonating, bad impersonations of Alan Moore. I don't know what you're talking about. We're obviously... Remember, remember oatmeal. Remember Alan Moore and oatmeal, Eric. That was hmm. that was really good. Remember our uh, Brian remember Lee O'Malley exactly. Twitter. Brian Lee O'Malley I do, Twitter. I, I I firmly remember. I firmly remember that. I like it when little dogs. When little dogs are like little dogs. I like it when little dogs are like little dogs. It might be the best piece of creative writing I've done in my entire life. I mean, to be fair, at least it's a banger. You know, <laughs> that's the one thing I can point at and go. I have skill. I can. I did it one time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it for checking in. We I can. That's enough. Yeah, we. That's more than enough. Honestly, uh, we we can move on to our final segment. It's time for Nobody Book Club. Nobody Book Club is the part of the show where Eric and I uh, talk about a longer collected work, discuss it in depth, like you would a book in a book club. Uh, except this time, it's a comic book. We are talking about for episode 300, and because of all these dang crisis events popping up all around us, we're talking about Crisis on Infinite Earths by Marv Wolfman and George Perez, 1985, uh, the DC uh, multiversal spanning event that collapsed everything down into a single universe, a single version of Batman, a single version of Superman, and so on and so forth. The very first of its kind. Um... 
George Perez, he just gets there for all these all these prototypical little events, doesn't he? I guess so. I I would I was do want to say that I am not the world's biggest George Perez fan. Yeah, but I but I like this is probably my favorite thing I've seen that he it has looks, drawn. It looks very good. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, it's fun to look at, and I think me as a comics fan, mostly of you know the past ten years or something, um, lapsed from nineties. Um, this is the kind of thing that you want, uh, looking back, um, you know, on something from generations ago, it's, it's a lot like picking up Kirby or something like that. And that it's big and dumb and bombastic and (sighs) overblown and fun and garish and, and anti-monitor looks like a, like he looks like an action figure. My God. He does not look like a character. He looks like a f- he, lo- he he looks like an action figure. Oh my god! Looks like he stepped out of like a He-Man cartoon or a one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, hey, okay, Eric, I want you to tell me what happens in this comic book. <laughs> I think I I I I I don't know. I shrug my I shrug my shoulders so hard I don't know that the universe explodes. Yeah, exactly. The universe explodes. I think is all like you could just say that. I think that's accurate. Mm-hmm. It's prob that's good enough. I, I I think the art in this is is really good and really powerful and memorable. Like I will there's certain panels in this that I will think about uh and remember for a long time, but this the entire story is just complete nonsense yeah i have a hard time not i have a hard time seeing as anything else um and having spoken to people that it means a lot to it's difficult for me to agree with them because it really is it's just like i don't know like like why 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 is it why does it speak to them i i i think partly yes why does it speak to you like because it it really does seem like craziness, and I think like like you know you want to separate you can't separate it from the moment that it was in, Mm-mm. but as I talked about uh, with Land, this 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 was contemporary to to Watchmen to Year One to Year One came uh, out immediately th- after this. Yeah, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. This yeah. is kind of a last hurrah of this era of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's nonsense. And I think maybe you and I just don't like Wolfman, but like, I mean, I would, you know, you, you compare him to writers like uh, um, Claremont, who will just put a kajillion words and panels on a page, but tells so much more of a cohesive story. Telling me a little bit about yourself. Who are you, sir? You know who I am. I, Of course I do. <laughs> That's silly. Why would you have me on if you didn't know who I was? Uh, <laughs> hi. 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 Hi, podcasters, listeners. Hi. 
pod no we're the podcasters they're the listeners they're the audience they're, they're the they're the handsomeites the handsomeites good mm-hmm. lord that's a lot of pressure to put on people so re- it really is it's a lot <laughs> so many so <laughs> hi my name is uh lamb pitts uh comic book writer and uh entertainment reporter i don't know it's really weird i, I hate saying the word reporter uh so i just say entertainment columnist Mm. That's easier to that's easier to say. That's a journalist. Yeah. Man, See, I, don't even like, I don't think I journal. I don't even think I journal that well. I would I would I would give you the title. You're you're <laughs> well, a, you're, a, you. you're a, a wonderful human being and good brother. So I try to be, I try it. to be a good brother. I take try. It. So all right. Well, I'm taking it. It is it is straight <laughs> took. It, it is straight token. Sweet. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, who are you? Oh, they, 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 no one knows who I am. I'm a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man that wants to talk to you about okay. crisis on infinite earth. So you, I, 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 I sent you uh, a digital copy of this and you're like, no way, man. Who do you think you're dealing with? Who do you think my, I'm looking at, okay. So, uh, what is it? 16 years ago, 16 years ago, my girlfriend at the time gave me this metal comic book case that has Batman, Robin Art, Joker on it and stuff. So over like a year, like I got to put something really good in this. And I have all 12 original issues of Crisis on Infinite Earths right at my desk. So uh, yeah, it was not a problem to <laughs> just pick it up and just go through it because those omnibuses are <laughs> way too much. So I mean, they're worth it. Like the the one with the Alex Ross cover, really well worth it, really well made. Uh, but I ain't got no omnibus money, <laughs> so <laughs> so in this economy, no. So, I'm gonna, no, but I, you but you have you have individual vintage all, issue yeah, money. The actual issue, yeah. Well, I did. So <laughs> I did a long time ago <laughs> when I wasn't paying real adult you know living fair. expenses fair so uh yeah so i got that uh at my comic book store in college park georgia i don't think it's around anymore but it might be to look sometime so apologies if it is chuck because i see you at dragon <laughs> con all the time and i keep on forgetting is the store still there but uh yeah so we'll see uh but yeah shout out to uh, titan games and comics if they're still around question mark uh but so yeah i i i read it uh it's one of those things i've reread a thousand times just to see how george perez pulls off what george perez does and you're like yeah 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 that's <laughs> good lord no <laughs> why would you do that to yourself buddy there's no reason this page needed 20 panels much less 120 characters on it Goddamn, stop <laughs> so but yeah yeah i uh they're all signed by wolfman and perez uh with issue seven i think i have it personalized so yeah, needless to say needless to say a very special story for you what, yeah. what 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 can you what can you say about like how what it means for you like it's definitely a yeah it's definitely a fundamental of i mean most of that stuff's been retconned to oblivion at this point so it's comics right i wouldn't say go out there and like well if you don't know what's going on check out races on infinite earth no but but it is, it's a great it's a great story it's a it's a it's a it was a building block and a staple of contemporary dc mythology until about 2006 when they just 
did it again with Infinite Crisis. <laughs> so, which is so good. Infinite Crisis is actually, I think, better than Crisis on Infinite Earths. But that's either here or there. But that's, I mean, you had Phil Jimenez on the art, who was who studied under Perez essentially, mm. uh, and just oh, so good, so so good. So, and then Perez did like variant covers. I think, I think he did variant covers. Uh, he might have actually just been the cover artist because I know Jimenez, Jim Lee. And Perez were doing covers, cycling through like different covers for it. But yeah, uh, yeah. So that that's my that's my take on it. If you really just want like, I'd, I'd almost compare it to the Odyssey in a way. Mm. It's so dense. It's def- I mean, it, it, it's def- It's e- it's even like of that era. The 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 incredible right. density, you know. Right. I wouldn't recommend it to somebody who's like, well, I'm just you know getting into comics. What should I read? I would never. <laughs> recommend Christ Long Infinite Earths. But if you understand, you know, if you understand kind of like the building blocks mythology and everything and really want to understand like good craftsmanship, I, I feel like that's definitely uh, something to check out if you haven't. Now, again, it's inconsequential across the board. So, uh, but definitely check it out regardless. So I'm, I'm wondering, because um, I'm trying to think about sort of as a as a comic writer like are you really drawing inspiration experience from this era is it more modern era is it more from no, it's, um, definitely, it's definitely of that era i mean look at what dc was doing in the 80s absolutely crushing it mm-hmm. coming out of like the 70s with neil adams and jim apero uh and jim apero kind of stuck around and um neil went i want to say he went more marvel especially like the x-men mm-hmm. stuff Definitely just look at what was kind of happening. There was this renaissance uh, of everything. We got a new Robin, then he died. Uh, But, you know, we got a new Flash. We got, what else was it? We got a new Green Lantern with, when did Guy Gardner come out? I want to say he was 80. We got like a whole new Justice League with like B-list characters and it worked. It brought all (laughs) these weird characters to the forefront that no one really gave a shit about. I mean, are you really Red Rocket fans out there? I mean, good for you. Uh, I guess, but it also ushered in like that whole new talent, like Phil Jimenez, Adam Hughes, Kevin McGuire, Keith Given, uh, John Mattias, like all of those dudes. I mean, they're icons now, but they all got their start around the same time. It, it was just, I mean, get the you know the foundation of Vertigo. So I mean, uh, Sandman. I don't even think was, I don't even think was Vertigo. I think it was DC proper for a minute before it got into Vertigo. That that doesn't sound that that sounds that sounds right enough. It's very clear um, for me reading this the first time that not I mean Gaiman and Alan Moore loved the shit out of. Uh, uh, well, I mean, without Alan Moore, we wouldn't have gotten Gaiman because Gaiman was the mm, one. Oh, who of course, with like without you know those little blurbs and quotes on the back of Watchmen. I'm just saying <laughs> they they are big Marv Wolfman fans. Yeah, absolutely. Wolfman's career is so interesting because much like a lot of the writers at the time, he did a lot of animation. Hmm. Well, I mean, because he wrote numerous episodes of Masters of the Universe, numerous uh, episodes of uh, Jim and the Holograms, all like those 80s staples. It's the same deal with like Paul Denny, who worked on the mini comics for Masters as well as a few episodes. I mean, he wrote the he wrote the episode about Tila's origin being Sorceress's daughter, which then Filmation kind of not retconned, but definitely didn't pay attention to for numerous mm. reasons. 
talking to Paul like 10 years ago, he talked about how like you know, filmation didn't really think children followed intense storylines for for like that. <laughs> so they didn't really care. But it was definitely a foundation to something that they've kind of, you know, included in modern day canon, you know, the 2000 X series and kind of what they've been doing for a while, what they've been, you know, what they did with Revelations. Uh, so, uh, I mean, Denny also wrote a magician theme, you know, obviously, uh, Jim and the Holograms episode. But, uh, I mean, uh, Christy Marks, Christy Marks wrote a bunch of animation too uh, before she went to, uh, she got on Jim World. Prince, uh, Amethyst, Princess Amethyst and Jim World. She did a lot of animation. 80s were such a really weird time of like this Venn diagram <laughs> of, you know, rock stars now and, you know, legends and everything kind of getting their foot in the door and doing what they did. I don't know. 80, 80s, 80s DC was just very, it definitely wanted to make a point about you know, well, the Batman audience and whatever, they've grown with us. Or, you know, whatever audience, they've definitely grown with us. We can do this. We had John Burns, Man of Steel. Uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, and obviously everything that Frank Miller brought into. But, you know, Frank Miller was kind of an anomaly. How do you, how do, you do year one and Dark Knight Returns and you're like 27, 28? Yeah, it, it, I think he might have even been like. <laughs> I, thought, I think he might have been like twenty six. He was very he, young. He, he was about that time, and it's just like, yeah. wow, way to go! You you've set the bar for writers for three generations. Congrats! Both those books and Watchmen all came out in like a two or three year stretch. It's just it, it right. is it is wild how all of these things that are so foundational all came out right around the same time right like 86 through 89 just dc absolutely blowing yeah. the doors open and essentially recreating the comic book <laughs> just yeah. in like a short period of time uh uh the closest thing marvel had marvel had you know marvel in the 80s was pretty weird too uh new iron man new thor uh, new Spider-Man costume, uh, all the whatever you know, all the God, Adam Warlock. I don't remember what else was really big in the eighties for Marvel, but I remember the big found. Oh, new, new Captain America, obviously. So you basically had like the rebuilding of their own Trinity into like new identities as well. They're you know trying to just do something new, and it was definitely the decade to do that. So Crisis was just another not pedestal, a uh, cornerstone of mm. that sort of movement. One of the pillars. Pillars. That was the word I was looking for. Yes, thank you. <laughs> just think of Misawa. I was like, is that cornerstone staple? What is that word? A pedestal? No. What is that word? <laughs> thank you. So I'm trying to even think because it seems like such a prototypical book, even for comic book events. Because the other ones around this era, like the next one that I think of, and I'm sure I'm missing plenty, is, um, oh gosh, what is it? It's Infinity War, or Infinity Gauntlet. That's Well, what yeah, Infinity of. War, Infinity Gauntlet. I think that was still 89, 90? It was, it was, like, it, it was like pushing that boundary between being an 80s comic and a 90s comic. And to me, right, it always right. felt like Perez, like... 
like experimenting and trying to be new, but it still feels like this era to me, like a little bit. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it feels like inspired by this. Um, this is a first read through for me. So this is, I'm, I'm bringing a lot of, uh, N- like new perspective to it um just not not um i don't know not putting it in the context like not even thinking of um this coming out around the time of uh year one and and uh dark knight returns and all of that because i think you're really on point because i really was absolutely not thinking about that whole renaissance happening yeah, absolutely. It was a DC renaissance yeah. for they're you know, they're coming out of the the weird 60s, 70s transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, even you know, Superman was still super cosmic. I don't know, the Silver Age was just so weird for DC because they took all their magical characters and made them space age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going from like Hawkman, okay, well, he's not a, no longer like a resurrected hot god he's an alien from another planet uh flash super science green lantern space cop uh uh the only one i think that uh, the atom no longer a small guy in a costume he's again super scientist that shrink himself down uh so i think the only one that really got a new character you know completely new character but that's also how we got zatanna because they just reinvented you know they took zatara and just made his daughter because she came in that's hawkman number for 1964 hmm. something like that so she's still part of that whole movement so yeah what would you like to plug oh my goodness <laughs> uh, so a lot of kickstarters i was uh part of this year i've already wrapped but uh i think we still have uh i think you can get a, get a few individual copies psycho Goreman. you can get that at lethalcomics.com i think uh and then the deadbeats uh anthology deadbeats 2 london calling you can get that from a wave blue world. And I think uh, I have tales from the road Two coming out a story with everyone's favorite ghoul, Danhausen and uh, Zach Kinsella. So that'll be coming out soonish. And boy, Oh, obviously beast heart strikers, me and Joe hunters and uh, Frank Zakovich. I'm butchering your name, Frank. And I'm very, very sorry. <laughs> uh, That'll be in the backups of Radiant Black starting uh, next month. We got four issues of B-Star Strikers backups in Radiant Black. And I'm very excited about it. If you want to check that out, we're also on Comixology. Just look up B-Star Strikers or me or Joe, and you'll find our, our works there. And yeah, support support indie artists. Thank you. I can also vouch for Beast Heart Strikers. We read a couple of issues for the podcast, and it's a lot of fun. I think so. I think they, you know, I, I, if you I, don't agree with me, there's a problem. Right, right, right. Well, fantastic. Really appreciate you. No, thank you, man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a complicated thing because there are moments in this where the whenever whenever basically i i can't i don't know if i could pinpoint any of them honestly but it's more like whenever the story slows down enough to focus on a single character and their individual like an individual moment where their life like uh is it earth 2 super old superman yeah like 
you know, when he's trying to come to terms with the fact his world is gone, it's things like that. You know, I've, you know, it, it, it's, it's those moments where I go, oh, that's, that's, that's powerful. That's, that's mm-hmm. something there. But because that those are few and far between, they are not the focus of this book. The focus of this, it reminds me a lot of like, it reminded me of uh death metal, you know, it reminded yeah. me of lots of, lots of pages where there's a lot of superheroes posing and a lot of text on the page and a lot of nonsense that I can't parse that mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know, like, you know, a lot of it's, a lot of it is just obviously nonsense to try and piece together a lot, like, you know, hundreds of disparate characters. And I find, I find this book incredibly fascinating, but not as a story. Mm. I don't find the story is secondary to why I think this is like an interesting thing to talk about and to even read is because of everything that came before it and why it exists and what it meant at the time and what it even means to now, what it kind of mm. presaged, the fact that they are still doing these kind of things, that there were two more crisis books after this and it didn't stop DC from rebooting their continuity more after the crisis books. More no, the crisis the books. lesson that they learned from this was uh, books with the word crisis in the title sell. I mean, the markability and money is certainly a big part of it. Um, there was a part in, and I, you know, I mentioned this uh, in one of my conversations with our, one of our guests. I don't remember which one, um, but th- like in, in, in one of the intros that, that Wolfman wrote, he said that their beef with this was, Oh, people don't buy, people don't buy series that don't have 400 issues already. No one buys a number one, and 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 I I don't know the the pendulum has swung the other way. Every comic's a number one. Yeah, I mean it's chasing collectors. It is that's where they it has the because you know like that that I'm sure that was true at the time because people were reading for the story and comic books were disposable. They were a dollar for an issue. And you didn't really, you know, some people kept them, but largely people didn't. And they were, there was zero thought about, oh, I'm buying this solely so that I can keep it and sell it 20 years yeah. from now. That was not a, a concern. Nowadays, it is a huge number of the people who buy comics week to week are are people specula- speculating on Oh, this this number one is going to be a one that's going to be. Oh, this is going to be a TV show in ten years. It'll be The Walking Dead. I'll have a number one first printing. I'll put in a. I'll get it graded by CGC and I'll get a nine point seven. I'll sell it for six hundred thousand dollars. There wasn't that didn't exist. But as the mar as our comic book market has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk, both Marvel and DC, both are guilty of it. Chase and certainly the indies do it too. Image in particular, but. They all do it. Chase those speculators with lots of variant covers and, you know, so on and so forth. Lots of reboots, lots of big number ones because they can guarantee those people will be buying number one solely because it is number one. Not They don't care about the story. Um, but the, there's like – and the the reason I find this interesting is, a re, is also a partially the reason why it's so hard to read and kind of nonsensical with the, the plot is like – at the time, 
Marvel was eating DC's lunch. Marvel was very popular, selling very well. DC was struggling and struggling a lot. And DC, well, we need to do something. We need to, one, we need to be more friendly to new readers because these, at DC's much older than Marvel, especially Batman, Superman, those, from the 20s and the 30s. Like, yeah. those characters have been around for, at that time, 50 years. We need to be able to draw in new readers and. We need to be hip again. We we have to like. But how about how about you tell us who you are? Sure, I am Raven Smith. I am a comics retailer, and I am a freelance sensitivity reader. Before we get too much into the meat of of this book sort of what is your history if any with this comic so my my history with it is fairly small like i said i'm a comics retailer and i have sold many copies of it over my god almost eight years of doing this oh christ (laughs) Um, and definitely one of our our longest and better selling titles usually around this time of year people will come in and they're like my family member loves batman and my family (laughs) member loves the flash but i but i don't know where to start please help i mean it's 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 fun for me to help people find books especially yeah. if they themselves have never read a comic before yeah but it's but it's doubly fun for me when they come in specifically because their family member is like oh yeah no i know all of this dc stuff i know all of this marvel stuff such and such character is my favorite and i can already tell that they haven't like it's just gone uh, gone completely over their heads and they're just like, I picked up a few words of what they were saying, and all I heard was Superman and <laughs> the Flash. I try to break it down for them. I'm like, look, first and foremost, tell me how old this person is, if they have expressed any interest in any other characters. And usually that's that's when I hear the, the AOL dial-up sound. Because <laughs> they'll be like, uh, um, I wonder woman and i'm like cool all right we we can i will find you a thing i have sold many many copies of this book but for myself i have only read it like once or twice and that's mostly because i am not an event title person Mm, i'm I'm with you there like event titles for me always spell doom for other books because a lot of the times you get like, oh, well, we have to make sure that everything links across all of our books, even if it doesn't make sense. I always find that really irritating. The fact that I have sold many copies of an event title book that is 30 plus years old uh, and has basically paved the way for a lot of other event titles. It's a funny thing, mm. <laughs> at least to me. <laughs> I dare say I agree with you. It is it is not my preference. I don't know. I, I, I know how I feel about this stuff. Is it really just the sort of messing with continuity and gumming up other um, books, or is there is there more oh, to it than that? Pretty much. I mean, that's my primary thing for when I'm, like, if I'm reading singles 
And out of nowhere, they start talking about, oh, watch out. There's going to be a thing coming. I immediately am like, no, why? Why? I was getting into the groove with this. And now you're immediately telling me that I have to care about this thing that's happening in a bunch of other books that I don't read and that I don't care about. How many issues do I have to wait before I can pick this up? And is it going to affect my book? Like, is my book going to get canceled because of this? Like, I, that's how I always view everything. Which, from what I understand from some other people that I have talked to, isn't actually the norm to look at it. And I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact that I usually will have to explain it to subscribers so many times. Just yeah, like, yes, this, this thing that happening. you love is going away for like three months and then maybe isn't coming back. Exactly. And they'll always ask me the same question. They're like, well, why are they doing that? And I'm like, if I had $10 for every time I wondered that myself, my last student loan would be paid off. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've, I have thought that it was short-sighted, even though I do tend to think that, I don't know, a lot, a lot of this older content, like, that, it wasn't bad. I mean, Crisis was a couple of issues, and it was over. Infinity Gauntlet was a couple of issues, and it was over. And we got to see Steve Rogers fight Thanos. It was awesome. But, like, the, the fallout from it, you draw a straight line to Civil War Two and... Uh, I know exactly. Hidden Empire? No, Hidden was... Empire. What a what a dark time all that was. Yeah. Huh. So, did, so did reading this just bum you out? <laughs> it didn't so much bum me out as it, it reminded me about just various other event titles that I've had to read for work. where i i've sat there and i'm just like i understand why this is getting played up as being like the be all end all of the moment but also i have enough history to know something's gonna come along and it's gonna be like and we're hand waving this away now yes this is done yeah see you all in six months I remember, I think it was uh, around the time of, I can't even remember the name. No, it was Original Sin. It was the it was the Marvel right. series. And the only reason that that one stuck out to me is because we had promotional items that we got in at the store for it. Because the whole thing was like, oh, well, the Watcher's dead. Somebody took the Watcher's eye. And they were glowing the dark super balls of the Watcher's eye. Oh, my God. <laughs> like... We we had a blast with them in the store, but then it was also incredibly hard to try and get rid of them. I <laughs> would take I would take a glow in the dark eyeball off your hands. Right, and they the, were the, so fun. Oh, I I know. Well, I mean, like the other big positive thing to come out of that terrible comic uh, was uh, Eyeball Guy. Yeah. <laughs> so you know who I mean. Like I think yeah. his I think his name is actually the Orb. And he's just in there because Jason Aaron is a doofus and he likes putting dumb (laughs) shit in his comics. But, like, he's just eyeball. He's been eyeball guy to us for years. Anyway, geez, eyeball guy. I mean, did you think when you woke up this morning you'd be thinking about eyeball guy? You know, it's a good day when I can talk about eyeball guy. I'm always happy about that. I love that you immediately know who the fuck I'm talking about. Because if you read... If you if you read any Jason Aaron comics from around the era of uh, 
original sin and slightly after fucking eyeball guy was all over the goddamn page <laughs> but yeah i mean with this reading it straight and then i even went through like the wiki yeah. for it i was just reading it through and i'm like god if i was trying to describe this to somebody that has never read comics before they would immediately get up and walk away <laughs> i i tend to agree with you there this is there's just so much happening in it yes <laughs> that's that is a that is i think a, a very kind way to put it because obviously there are the the classic touched up things like the things that everybody remembers Supergirl and and yeah and Barry and everything like that but once you cut through like those big iconic things it's just like what is happening mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you have to really have a lot of affection for the era that this is coming out of exactly. to take much of anything from it and I think the rest of us are just sort of sitting here staring like what is all this god almighty there sure is a lot on this page yeah like even when I was going uh back through the wiki because I was I was mixing up the names of a few people. You have Alexander Luther, you have Alexi Luther, <laughs> you have Lex Luther, and like my eyes started to cross. I was just like, Oh my god, that's a hundred percent right. There were there were like four of them. God almighty, I I I'm recounting it now, you're right. The the best part about it is the is, is the very ending of it of just like oh so uh we've got earth 2 superman and earth 2 lois lane and earth prime superboy and they all just kind of do a poochie the dog at the end they're just like yeah. well we just went back to our home place <laughs> yeah it's like and, i don't know whatever and i and i just keep thinking of when that team was writing those issues like, if they ever just sat there and looked at each other and were just like, you know what? This is going to be the thing that they talk about for years. Like, we're going to wow them. Like, they're going to be studying this in college courses, and it's going to be it's gonna be crazy. We're going to go down in history. Uh, but just, there's, I just keep saying there's so much happening, because I don't even really know where to start with it. It is it is it is dense and kind of impenetrable. Um yeah. do you do you like other things of of this era? Like I always kind of compare it to uh like a Claremont or something. Oh yeah. It's funny for me because I I'm so used to like stocking a lot of the the big name classic things. Yeah. Like Crisis, you get your your Secret Wars, you but like all of the really uh the really classic stories that everybody on like think pieces is just like well you have to read this thing if you absolutely right. want to get into comics those lists always make me so mad because <laughs> it doesn't take but like it doesn't take into account these these stories are are well known and you know they were big for their time and everything but trying to explain them to somebody that's new to comics is just it's it, it's like teaching a fish how to do algebra because no, like yes because you're not going to have a point of reference and if somebody is very new to trying comics and the only thing that they have as a point of reference is, say, like movies or cartoons or anything like that, they're going to go in thinking, oh, well, it's going to be kind of like this. When it's just, it, no, it's very much not. And these lists don't take that learning curve into account. Like, everybody starts somewhere. There's no, yeah. there's no wrong or right way to read comics. <clears throat> 
But if the only way that you can think to get somebody to try comics is to give them a book that is 30 plus years old and tell them, well, read this and you'll understand everything. No, you this book is definitely not this book is definitely not understanding everything. Yeah, like I it was a couple of years ago and I remember having a father come in with his son and he was trying desperately to get this kid who was clearly in elementary school to to try comics that he quote uh, like I'm quoting him on this is like well don't you want to read some of the books that your dad read when he was your age and this kid no this kid dead ass looked at him and was just like yeah but those look boring I like the ones that mom reads yeah (laughs) and and I had to fight so hard not to laugh I could tell that the dad was frustrated, but he was like, no, okay, that's, that's fair. I will concede to that. And they ended up getting, like, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl and okay. and Miss Marvel and a few other things. Oh, um, okay. Uh, Miss Marvel's always a good choice. It, it's just one of those things where, like, for me, a book like like Crisis, is, it, it, it rings with the idea of, I read this when I was a kid, and I have very fond memories of it. So clearly everybody needs to read it so that they can have similar fond memories of it. And it's completely, it's completely disjointed from the moment that we're in. And that's a very, very strong point. Yeah. I think when I first started working my job, uh, one of the things in particular that I, that I attempted to do, uh, I tried to read a lot of the older books. To, to get more familiarized if people ask questions about it. Like, I remember reading, like, Death in the Family and The Killing Joke and right. a bunch of, like, classic Daredevil runs and everything like that. And I remember talking to our, our then manager and just being like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong because I'm reading this stuff so that I can try and make sure that I'm knowledgeable enough if somebody asks me a question. But I'm bored. <laughs> Yeah. And she just was like, no, that's that's fair. And she was saying that like, she's one of the biggest DC people that I have ever known. So for her to even say for some of the older ones, it was just like, yeah, okay, you're not doing this wrong. It's just, it's just a lot. <laughs> Going back and rereading this, it very much was just an exercise of, okay. It's bringing back all that old trauma. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like all right one of our younger employees uh this young guy he was he took his lunch break and he's sitting in the front and he's literally about to tear into this this subway sandwich and this guy comes in and i guess like with his brothers or whatever and i'm behind the counter and i go to greet him and he just deadass ignores me and walks over to the younger employee. This poor kid had a sandwich like halfway in his face and he's asking <laughs> me questions. And I'm just looking at my coworker and we're, and we're both just like, what the hell? Like, I he's clearly on break. So I decided to have a little bit of fun. So they're wandering around. They're They're still refusing to really acknowledge us. And it wasn't until the they I guess they were ready to either leave or to check out 
that I put on my my happiest, smiliest, flow from progressive retail voice and was just like, oh, are you all set? Cool. Well, I can help you right over here. So he was just like, uh, 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 I mean, I was just going to. I'm like just staring at him and I rang him up and I said, well, you have a good day and I hope you enjoy everything that you got today. <laughs> and he was just like, oh, oh, okay, thank you. And he just kind of hurried out of the store with his brothers. And I'm just like, no, you're you're going to pay attention to me in my house. I just got very Roman Reigns about it. I'm just like, you will oh, yeah. acknowledge me. I was like, you will acknowledge me. You're, you're the, you, you, you are, you are the head of the table. Yes. <laughs> Crisis has a place in the pantheon of memorable comics. Whether or not it's memorable for a good reason or a bad reason, <laughs> it, it has it has earned its place on comics around, on Mount Rushmore. So many different people get so many things out of it. And if you're mm. new to comics, you get confused. If you're old yes. to comics, you either really like it or you're like, meh. I don't, I don't. I like some things about it, but well, I, mean, I guess it's okay. I feel like the people that do really like it, they're very, they're very upset about the kids on their lawn. Oh, so upset. So, <laughs> and what would you, uh, what would you like to plug? Hey, if you have, if you're lucky enough to have a comic book store in your area, uh, please, please, please. Try and do your holiday shopping with them. Like, we're already into Hanukkah right now, and Christmas will be here before you know it. Uh, lots of different shops are doing different things. Some, uh, like my shop, Phantom Comics in D.C., uh, we do mail orders to anywhere in the U.S. Uh, so you can always find a comic book store that will have what you need, uh, and obviously, with all of the craziness of supply chains and stuff, some things are going to be backordered. Gift cards are, are year-round. So I want you to, to to patronize your local comic shop. And if your local comic shop isn't that great or you don't feel welcome, uh, there are definitely shops out there that will make you feel welcome. Uh, MyComicShopLocator.com has a bunch of them. So definitely try and do that and also just on a personal note if you are somebody that is in need of a sensitivity reader or an editor for your comics related project hit me up on twitter my, my twitter is right raven right which is w-r-i-t-e raven right on the twitter i'm on the right twitter. there on the bird on the app twitter box on the bird up on on the hell site <laughs> just hit me up just hit me up there well i really appreciate you thank you for the chat today always this is always fun you think about think about all those 50s and 60s batman and superman story comics the ones that people make fun of because there's a gorilla on the cover and Marvel was cool. Marvel was hip in that time period. DC was not. DC was old, outdated. We need to we need to freshen things up. And you look at this comic and how many characters are in it? H hundreds of characters. All, all of them. Every character. Mm -hmm. And 
there these characters are all remnants of old stories. I haven't I was how much uh, how I've asked this to multiple guests. Were you a, did you read how much DC did you read as a child? And what DC did you read as a child if yes? Almost none and Batman and okay. Death to Superman. Death of course, yes, obviously. Death um, to Superman. De- death, death to of Superman. Death to Superman. <laughs> I'm dark. I'm dark side Good all Lord. of a sudden. Um, or Luther. Um, so the all these characters are included in this book because they're going to kill them, destroy them, irrevocably. They're gone. They didn't. They didn't have plans for more crises. Crises after this one. They eventually did it because they wanted another excuse to make money, probably, uh, and to expand the world again for whatever reason. But they didn't have those plans then. This book exists solely to wrap up all those hundreds of loose ends of all these characters that have existed for you know various lengths of time and kill them. But it is a swan song for that era. It is a swan song for all those characters. And if you have no attachment to them in particular, it's not going to matter much to you. Mm. Yeah, there's, this doesn't carry much weight to me because I don't care about these characters that much. And it's weird. It's a weird event in general when I think of, when you think about it because it is the people who want to buy this book are not the people like I read. I read DC as a kid. I read post crisis Batman. I read post crisis Superman. I read DC. I have that some of those 80s Man of Steel, John Byrne, Superman books. They're they're good. But that's the Superman I know when there's there's only one Superman. There isn't 30 different Supermen. They're not popping in from other multiverses. There's just the one. That's the Superman I know. The people who were reading this book at the time, theoretically, are the people saying goodbye. This is a book that's a goodbye. But it's also like, hey... This it it weirdly reminded me of things like Superior Spider-Man because I don't want Doc Ock as my Spider-Man, but I read it like out of morbid curiosity. Mm. And this book is like if you're a fan of all these characters and which and there were some, this book is killing them all off. So if you're reading this book, it's just say goodbye to them. Or out of morbid curiosity to see how they kill your favorite characters. You're, I love Superman from Earth 2 or whatever, you know? It's it's a weird thing. And, and the other fact about this is Marvel was formed as a, a cohesive thing from the very get-go. Mm-hmm. Stan Lee effectively, you know, co-wrote every book. It all had the same stamp on it. Jack Kirby drew, yeah. you know, half of Jack Kirby drew half of them. It was um, made to fit together rather than evolving these, from the chaotic nothingness. From Batman and then Superman. Mm-hmm. And like, why on earth? Like, when you think about it, like that history of DC explains why Gotham and Metropolis both exist, but are incredibly different places like that. Well, how does that make any sense? Why is Gotham filled with uh, crazy people and Metropolis, like crazy, like low level criminals that Batman can handle, but Metropolis only is filled with villains that Superman can handle? Like, it doesn't make any sense. In a world of a comic book, you buy it because who cares? Yeah. But if you form a cohesive world, 
And why does Metropolis exist in the same place that New York City does? Which is also true of DC. <laughs> like, there's an LA and there's a Coast City in DC Comics. Why? It's because they slowly pulled in a hundred different properties and smashed them into a ball together. And this is their, they're saying, let's start over. Let's try and make it more cohesive. Let's take all these weird properties and not make it just a big ball of Play-Doh. And that's all really fascinating to me, but it doesn't make, I don't know. I don't, I don't find much like catharsis or drama in this book. It's mostly looking at uh, the nice drawings from Mm. George Press. What? A crisis portal? Another one? Who's this? Robbie, Robbie, is that you? Oh, thank God. I've arrived from Earth-69 seeking a universe where the Simpsons stayed good after season nine. Is this it, man? That's that's. I'm sorry, Matt. It's a universal constant. Oh, it's a universal constant. Yeah, oh. The Simpsons always goes bad after season nine. Oh, I guess it's just one of those things that always happens. No. Well, Robbie of this universe, what's up? <laughs> oh, we're talking about Crisis on Infinite Earths. I hope that you also received a copy of Crisis. I sent them out into the multiverse. I hope you received yours, Matt. Oh, I definitely did. I definitely did. And I spent very long reading the, the wonderful uh, tales of, of DC superheroes of, of so many universes that ended and then didn't end and then ended and then didn't end and then ended and didn't end and just over and over again. Hey, it, hey, was, hey, it was hey, delightful. Hey, we're only talking about one crisis today. The first infinite crisis, crisis on infinite earths. We're not talking about. That's infinite. what I'm talking about. It ended and then didn't end. That's <laughs> uh, fine. It's very good. Uh, the thing about Crisis on Infinite Earths, at least this one, uh, is the characters tend to be wonderful. The writing is a little iffy, and it just seems like it went on for way too long. Okay. What What do you mean by the writing be a little iffy? Explain that to me. It's, it has, it's very... 80s style of comics like everyone is constantly saying each other's names they're talking out loud about what they're thinking um and i it's hard to tell whether they're they're saying this quietly to themselves or to everyone around them uh, it kind of feels like um shouldn't the good guys who are literally four feet away have heard you say your evil plan uh but no oh that's that's cool too that's that's cool too i guess i didn't i didn't i did not even notice any moments where they, there was there's what <laughs> i mean there is a lot of a uh, lot of dialogue in this comic book. There is a, a lot of dialogue, and it, uh, the thing about it is, is this is a very interesting story. Um, I mean, I am personally very. Uh, I, I love the big universe-spanning stories about oh, where did the universe come from? It involves the Guardians of the Galaxies and their ancient enemies and the Green Lantern Corps. Oh, this is before they had all the other colored cores, so you know that would have been nice. But you know, back in time. Uh, and like all the different Superman and everything, I actually really enjoy that. Uh, I know a lot of people don't, but I do. Uh, it's just tough to get through, mainly because the dialogue and the stuff that happens seems to really have very little effect on what's actually going on in the universe. The story seems to just keep on trucking whether or not the heroes do what they're supposed to. <laughs> uh, I think that's yes. Th- this is not. This is the ver- one of the very first big crossovers to this extent like there were no secret wars happened in marvel the year prior to this but that didn't really upset the marvel status quo very like as a universe they didn't reboot the universe they they popped out they did some stuff and they came back and that was pretty much it yeah and there's some there are some changes here and there you know spider-man had the symbiote and etc etc but 
they didn't reboot Marvel. This reboots DC. This gives us a new Superman, a new Wonder Woman, not quite a new Batman, even though they did get a new origin story uh, with Frank Miller with the with year one. But it killed. I don't I don't really know the actual number. Hundreds, at least hundreds of DC universes that were all some of them appeared in like literally a single issue of a comic book. Like it was like, oh, in 1957, there was one issue that we saw the Superman where he's yellow. And then and then we never heard from that Superman again. But he's dead. Don't worry. He's he's a dead man. We're we're down to what is it? I I think by the time that they were on like page 20 or 30 of this, we're down to what, five Earths? Or is that later on? No, I I don't. Okay, Matt, this is uh, this is not a real question, but it is a question I consider asking you. Uh, I wanted you. I was going to ask you. Ex- tell me what happens in this comic book. <laughs> oh God. Okay. So in this comic book, <laughs> you know we're going to go way back. All you right, don't so, actually have so it to starts do out it. with the heroes of Earth. Wait, back up. We got to go a little further back. All right. So it turns out the Guardians had a guy named Krona. Wait, back up. So it turns out that when the universe <laughs> was created, there was a weird hand there, and that's where we, <laughs> we go from there. There was a weird hand. <laughs> that's what happened he saw Krona saw the beginning of the universe there was a weird hand and he just went crazy after that there the, the, i don't when you try and break down like the actual events of this story it's all nonsense none of it makes it really any is. sense it doesn't make any sense what? it doesn't it i it, it it's not the point though really it's not the point for it to make sense it, it, the fact that it makes any kind of sense that has any kind of internal coherent logic at all, even in, from moment to moment, is, I think, an achievement considering how many characters are in this? Oh, God. I mean, there's probably 50 or 60 different heroes and villains. At least. At least. At least, yeah. And, and a whole bunch of them die and then come back. And then eventually, I think five or six of them are trapped in a special universe that Alexander Luther, the son of Lois Lane and uh, Alexander Luther from Earth 3, I think it is, uh, you know, where the, all the superheroes are evil, uh, it creates a pocket universe for them for all their hard work. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, where Super Superwoman and um, uh, Owl Man is there. Yeah, they're all. Because they're all Ultraman evil. Ultraman. Ultra, Ultraman. For some reason, speaks like an Italian. It's weird. <laughs> Don't they? Uh, it's I. Uh, did you read DC when you were growing up, Matt? I did. I didn't read any comics growing up. I didn't start reading comics until oh god, it was probably right around Marvel Civil Wars when I just started dipping my toe into comics, okay. uh, and I, I read about them long before I actually read the actual comics themselves. Okay. I grew up that like I I am only familiar. And and if you didn't start reading, I mean, you I know you go back and read old stories uh, right. at a whim, um, but I was basically familiar with post crisis versions of these characters. Uh, I liked, I read this Superman, this post crisis Superman, the Man of Steel Superman book, um, which eventually you know leads us to Death of Superman in the nineties, uh, a, a, a a more more vulnerable superman you know he's not completely invincible like there's a lot of really interesting things they did with that you know late 80s superman stories that were after this where there was only literally a single superman there's not dozens of them anymore that's the one i knew and it's interesting this book to me is way more interesting on a meta narrative level a meta textual level um 
because it brings up a lot of questions about like, you know, this story. Do you know anything about the background of this book? Why it exists in the first place? I have heard inklings of it, and it basically comes down to the same thing that happens a lot in comic books. It's, oh, the background of these characters is way too scattered. New readers will never be able to catch up. Let's try and simplify things. Uh, I mean, it happened. There was, what, Infinite Crisis in the mid-2000s. There was a New 52 in the early 2010s. And I believe DC uh, alone has – those are all DC. And I believe – Heroes Reborn, is that a DC or a Marvel thing? Because I know DC just kind of soft reset everything again. (laughs) Heroes Reborn is Marvel, but it was not a reboot. Marvel Marvel rebooted – did reboot in 2018. Right. But there was a soft thing where they – they redid the uh, – there was some event uh, in D.C. where they got rid of the New 52 and just kind of packed everything back together yes. in pieces. Don't uh, worry. It's Again, it's all a mess. Um, and I think that's ultimately – it makes this, – this book is the start of it. It's the first time it's ever happened. D.C. has existed a long time, you know, long, much longer than Marvel. And D.C. was different from Marvel. Marvel basically was created as – a coherent place. All the con- like from this from the get go, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and all those guys. They, I mean, Stan Lee basically wrote eighty percent of all those comic books. So he created all of them, and they all created them in the, in the same place: the X Men and the Fantastic Four, the Avengers. All of them existed in the Marvel universe from the get go, but DC Comics didn't. You know, it was Batman was a was his own thing. Superman was his own thing. Wonder Woman was her own thing. And DC brought them in piecemeal. And it explains a lot of things. It explains, like, why Metropolis and Gotham City exist in the same place, despite the fact they are very different in tone uh, and in and, 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 and are both basically analogs of New York City, which also exists in the DC universe. <laughs> yes. Which, again, how does that make sense? Oh, don't think about it. The answer is, don't think about it. But when I think like, oh, well, this book is, you know, what you said. Oh, it's very complicated. And uh, Marvel was eating our lunch. They, we, they're, Marvel's outselling DC at this time by a lot. We need to modernize. We need to be cool again. But why does, like, this is a question I have. For you, do you think, do you need a goodbye? Do you need, like... We you just you just mentioned all the times DC in our lifetimes. <laughs> this DC has re- rebooted their their timeline what five times in our in our lifetimes. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm going to ask you a question just as a, as a casual comics reader. Mm-hmm. Let's say tomorrow Marvel decides or DC either way. They decide, oh, we want to reboot our continuity again for whatever stupid reason. It's usually whatever. If it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. Right. If you as a comics reader, do you need a big old story explaining how it happened? Not really. I mean, DC, I feel like, needs it more than Marvel would possibly because Marvel has always had its multiverse. Uh, I mean, every time something weird, alternate uh, reality show or a show, uh, you know, event happens, they can say, oh, this was Earth 298653 or whatever. And they can just say, oh, yeah, this took place there. And there's kind of a, a, a logic to what they're doing, but there's not really. Whereas DC seems to continually have their universes cross over to the point where uh, if you're going to have to reset everything, you're going to have to go to a, a different universe kind of thing. Uh, 
I don't really need a huge crossover like this where you're going to say, oh, you know, uh, we're, we destroyed all the other words. Now there's just the one. It's like you can just say that, oh, we're starting over. It's cool. This is the way it's always been. Uh, it's, it's fine. But that's just me. I'm sure the true comic geeks would revolt at that idea. I don't want to necessarily say there's a right opinion. I don't think that's I don't think there is a right answer to it. I think there is personal preference. So that's about it, because I don't think at this point. I mean, I've read like all these, all these stupid crisis and all the like all the reboots and the New Fifty Two and and Marvel. I think was the only with the with Secret Wars and and Doom and stuff was the only story that I had halfway interest in. And that half of it is just because it was drawn by Isad Ribic. But I don't really need you telling me why. Give, like I don't need like a narrative explaining how the world is resetting. You could just reset it, push the button. You could literally have a comic book where you have the ghost of Stan Lee push a reset button, and suddenly vroom, we start over. We're num- we're looking at a whole bunch of number one number one issues again with all these same characters, but we give them different twists, different origins. And it's books like this where like this is the first time where they had to decide. They had to decide. Oh, we're rebooting our universe. How do we do it? And this is the answer. Well, yeah, and and I feel like uh, when DC did the New Fifty Two, uh, when the Flash uh, went back in time and saved his mom. Spoilers, guys. Sorry for the first issue of, of the New Fifty Two. Uh, and then he just woke up one day and the world was totally different and things were crazy. You could just have that, except don't have it be a hero. Just have it be a random person and goes, "Huh, I could swear things were different." And that's it. Be like, "Oh, everything up to this point was this kid's dream." Sure, why not? You don't need a a big overarching thing. Yeah, and I I think that's where I I think that this is this book is narratively strung together. It doesn't really have like it has interesting moments in it. I think that's where I go like, oh, that's fun. That's interesting. There's neat things here and there, but it doesn't really have like who are our characters we're following? The monitor uh who dies or harbinger like who cares? Like Harbinger is like, or, or Alexander Luther. Am I supposed to care about these people? Well, yeah, these people are all introduced for this crossover, correct? You've I, never seen them before. I'm. I don't know. I think that some of. I think like. I think uh, Harbinger. I think existed prior to this. I know Alexander Luther didn't, and like you know, Superman Prime and all those like they all existed. Um, yeah, Lila. Lila existed prior. Uh, okay to this but she was she was at least she only she became harbinger exclusively for this event but lila the character she existed prior but it's more like there is no we don't have a point of view character our point of view characters are people i don't they don't really have a lot of character this is all like you said you you described it very one of the very first things you said was doesn't really matter it seemed doesn't seem to matter what our superheroes do the story just keeps going well, yeah, and like the the characters barely have relationships with each other. I mean, a lot of this is oh, people who didn't exist before, uh, who existed across universes, had to team up. And Lila, we barely get to know anything about her except that the Monitor saved her and is now like empowered her with these great powers and is now using her. Uh, the Monitor dies a third of the way through. Alexander Luther is brand new; he just appears as a baby and then ages to full, fully grown, <laughs> like a few days. And then it, it seems to be an excuse to have a ton of heroes from a whole bunch of different universes and even from the main DC universe on screen at once working together, which 
I like a lot of the time. I like characters crossing over, but there's way too many of them in this particular case. And it just seemed like an excuse to say, okay, we're going to have this big event where a whole bunch of our characters get killed or cross over. And at the end, we're going to have this one thing. And how can we make that as clickbaity in the 80s way as possible? <laughs> well, I mean, I think this is a comic book for people who's like, it's for those, the fa- I mean, they're, it's for fans of people, fans of this universe that is dying. Like, it's a big goodbye, basically. It feel, that's what it feels like by the end of it. It is just saying goodbye, all these universes that you, the theoretical reader in 1985, grew up with. You read these comics as you're when you were a kid, uh, and you maybe you had an attachment to Superman of Earth Two or something. Yeah, it's like, oh, these golden age characters, uh, they're they're gone now. You know, old, old Superman who had married Lois and and had kids or whatever, uh, he, he's gone now. Sorry, that's just the way it works. Yeah, and I I don't like it. That that's another weird thing about this book to me that I think is interesting is that it's not really for new readers because I'm technically a new would be a new reader. This I didn't really read a lot of you know Bronze Age or older DC comics, so a lot of this is just like oh I know who these people are because I've read a lot of comic books, but. It's still very like, well, I don't know their backstories. I don't know anything about their Earths, really, aside from just hearsay. Like, I don't really care. I don't have an attachment to the Superman of Earth 2. This is just, an, it's a novelty to me. It's not an exciting story that I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? Um, I think my final question, Matt, do you think this, would you call this comic, this 12 issues, mm-hmm. would you call it good? I hate to weasel, but it goes back to what you said earlier. It depends on who you were when you uh, read this. If you were the person who had grown up with these characters, especially one tiny little character that didn't even get much love anymore, uh, then yes, I think it's it would be great for you. Uh, you probably got mad at the end result, but you probably felt that it was a worthy send-off. If you were someone who just picked up this issue to say, oh, what's, what's going on here? This is a big event comic. You'd be like, what in the world is going on? This is weird and I don't like it. So it really depends. Uh, but, I mean, for someone who, like you said, had grown up with these and, you know, eh, unless you're Grant Morrison, I probably don't think anyone really appreciated this and, you know, tried to work it into later Batman continuity. Um, no, Matt, no. See, what you don't understand is all comics that have ever existed all happened. Of course. It's called multiple universes and you leave them in their universes. No, 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 no. They all split apart. No, they all happened in the same universe simultaneously. Robbie, if you're going to throw with the Batman of Zura and R in my face, I'm just going to leave. Okay. (laughs) We've recorded an episode uh, discussing our dislike of the Batman of Zura and R uh, on this podcast. (laughs) You guys can go listen to that if you want to talk about if you want to hear us rant about Graham Morrison. There's a hundreds, not hundreds. There's dozens of hours of me and Eric ranting about Graham Morrison. So they can go check that out if they want to. I appreciate his love of old continuity, but the way he tried to integrate it was just it was a bit much. Pretty sure Graham Morrison is openly trolling his audience at some points, Matt. I don't think you're supposed to. You're only like it's it's just you don't, don't feed the trolls. That's the answer is don't feed the trolls. Uh, I probably have contributed to that myself. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think I think your crisis portal is starting to close, Matt. 
oh no, well, I guess I'll have to move on to the next universe. I swear I will find one that someday uh, Mike Scully never never wrote for The Simpsons. <laughs> I wish you good luck uh, before you disappear forever. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Oh, I don't know. I mean, if you'd like to hear me on my continuing journey, you can check out The Simpsons Show, uh, where we continue with uh, The Simpsons from Robbie's universe, uh, where it got bad and, and eventually got back to mediocrity. <laughs> The, the greatest achievement of all mediocrity uh well thank you man goodbye possibly bye a thing that i immediately see a comparison to um we read pretty early into our tenure um, I can't think of what the event is called. You'll probably remember it immediately. But it was with the Incursions and the Marvel Illuminati. Um, oh, uh, New Avengers and um, I can't remember. <laughs> My brain well, it was it, it, it was it could have been seven or eight or nine years ago at this point that we read it. Um, but I think it differs from this um, where. Both of them are dealing with the same thing, universes collapsing into each other, and death on the scale of, like, quadrillions of lives, because whole literal universes are being erased. You know, in the in the Marvel st story, they're colliding with each other, and, you know, violence is, is taking them to pieces, and here they're just sort of ceasing to exist in a very dramatic way. Um, the, the, this story, like it very much does come off as mythology or big characters. And there is something like I, when I think about Alex Ross and how he fucking worships these characters. And it is because they are the larger than life characters that they are the gods that they are the the mythology whereas certainly for you and i we we want to see like okay this big huge thing is happening how is this person feeling about it how are they dealing with it and this is how we experience art and writing so it's not surprising that this is a huge miss for us um, but I, I struggle to understand what I struggle to understand the appeal of it because it does feel like a load of nonsense to me. I mean, Just even, even given those things, you know, even given that we're supposed to be looking up at the, the these people doing these things, you know? Yes. And I think that. I mean that it culminated the the event you're talking about. It was the, it was the Avengers books that culminated eventually in Secret Wars, and that is the you know time runs out culminating in Secret Wars um, with Doom as the the God Emperor. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's that was the Hickman stuff. That was like you know Infinity happened then, and there's a lot of stuff building up to that. Um, like it's very. I think it's I, as a defense of this book, as even as a person who doesn't who. I, I I'm not upset that I read it because I do think I do find it very fascinating to think about it. Yeah. But it's it's it, beautiful and cool, and I think maybe a very good comic 
if a, not a good piece of literature in the way that I personally like to appreciate literature. Right. I And I, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I can introduce myself. Uh, I am Freddy Yeti. Uh, I stream live on Twitch. We talk about all kinds of stuff, including comic books and how they relate to uh, social issues and topics uh, that are currently in the day. So it just so happens that's a, one of my interests as well, so that's great. Yeah, I, I really... Really like pulling the the social narrative out of comics, and honestly, I find it really funny watching a lot of other creators almost misinterpret things for their own quote unquote. Uh, I will reasons. I will put it to you that there are a lot of really dumb comic book fans. Yeah, the Punisher is one of my favorite ones that people like to mis misconstrue. You should check out our very recent uh, Punisher podcast because we talk about all of that. Oh. I I was meaning to do that before I got on here, but I have been trying to develop a game show, so it makes I, it. Um, I understand little, you've been busy yeah. and you're a hard worker. Yeah, that that it will be fun, but apparently that we were planning to talk about Crisis on Infinite Earths, which yes. is different from the other crises that DC seems to have. They have a lot of crises. They they do. They really need to get their shit together. So what is what is your experience with this book? Like if if I if I remember correctly from our other conversation, I when I came onto your your Twitch channel, um, you're kind of you're kind of a DC guy, one of the few that I know. I'm actually less of a DC guy. I used to be a heavy right? DC guy, and I've moved over to more Marvel. Mm -hmm. uh, the reasoning behind that actually is pretty clear to me in Crisis on Infinite Earth. I like relatable characters. Right. A lot. I like to relate to them. DC likes to frame their characters almost godly in a in a this way is, that is almost it's very clear in, Right. It's very clear in this in this story. In this story it is very clear, but the crazy part that I didn't realize the first time I read it over was the way DC represents their own gods. And it becomes even more clear that their characters are more mythical than grounded, which is completely ironic because they use so many real world things like the FBI, actual like ways Congress works and stuff like that, real bills and all that, where Marvel has shield and all the weird things that are more linked into their shit, where it's completely ungrounded. Hydra, all of that kind of stuff, where it's very mythical in the way that they have their ground layer and then their superheroes on top being more relatable as opposed to DC. But DC celestial characters being not only the same size as them, like as all of the heroes, but almost being as powerful as the heroes really makes me go, these guys really are not relatable. Because like recently you have Marvel releasing the Eternals. In the Eternals, you see the Celestials. And even the Eternals, who are more godly than most of the superheroes in Marvel, are still tiny in comparison to the Celestials and these gods that work the multiverse. But then you got the Monitor and the Anti-Monitor, who are pretty much the same size as Superman and Batman. Doesn't he, like, get, doesn't he get, like, j j very giant towards the end of the story, though? 
Yeah, the Anti-Monitor does get giant towards the end of the story as he absorbs multiple universes. Yeah. I mean, as one would. You eat a couple of Earths, you're going to get fat. It's true. Yeah, I've, I've tried it. It's <laughs> half of one. We've all been there. We've all been there, haven't you? But it just, it's so strange how the differences between DC and Marvel truly are, especially when you compare events to, like, yeah. Crisis on Infinite Earth is so, I want to say confusing when it comes to the way the multiverse works with the negative, um, the positive universe and the negative universe multiverse um, versus like Marvel's, um, it's almost more scientific. It's almost like yeah. what the theories are in science where it's like there are just all of these parallel Earths and all of these parallel universes that are slightly f- frequencies different. The the I mean it, I think anyone could read through this and think like it's maybe it's not that well thought out and it's a, it is a little muddled so it is a little muddled but the the coolest part I like about it though is honestly one of my least favorite characters in DC Superman mm-hmm. um, the way that you get to see Superman as different ages and the way those different Superman think especially with the way you got rebirth nowadays with the different supermen that were in that. It just kind of shows that D... I don't want to say that they're constantly rehashing the same story, but it feels like they never get their footing after doing a crisis like this. Like, everything's always on shaky ground, if that makes any sense between all of their different... It does, because it does seem like a lot of them do a lot of... They, they just kind of want to do a lot of the same thing. And they might change modes here and there, but they tend to just do the same safe thing a lot of the times. Like, not a lot of... Not a lot of brave new directions. Like, if you read the, the, the intro that by Marv Wolfman on this, he said that they told him he was crazy for pitching this because people won't read a comic book that doesn't have, like, a number 450 on it. Like, mm-hmm. they're like, I don't think we can sell this. And, I'm, and, 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 I mean, nowadays, everyone releases a new number one every other week. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though it it was a great idea in the sense of how it set up the precedent for what comic books end up doing within their own universes and multiverses. But the way it was executed was not only confusing, but it didn't really make a hell of a lot of sense. Right. And there were these asinine moments of heroes just being okay with multiple <laughs> Earths being linked together. And just going about their usual beating up bad guys, and it's just like, oh my god, why? Don't you guys have some sort of morals in some way, shape, or form? Like, come on. <laughs> it was so strange. There, There is, there is some sense of um, kind of in stories like this. Like, they get a little hazy and dreamlike where they're not, acting like real people it's just sort of things happening and you're watching events go by it Mm -hmm. it, you know it doesn't feel as character based yeah yeah and that's one of the things that like big big events like this usually fuck up on is not focusing enough on the character arcs themselves but more of how they're gonna change the universe in and of itself 
like Rebirth did a real hell of a big one with that where it was really just showing you the event happening and then over time they started to explain what exactly happened and not just seeing it through the eyes of the character. Crisis did that actually really well with the whole Flash part mm. where the Flash, well, Batman sees the Flash with the, but he's there with the Joker trying to stop the Joker. And when you first read it, it makes no fucking sense. You're like, how the dick is Barry Allen melting? What the fuck? <laughs> and then later on, you find out it's because of spoilers for anybody who didn't fucking read this and are listening. Uh, he's running around the goddamn antimatter and <laughs> ends up traveling back in time and becomes like a, a, a time fragment or something i don't know what you would call it but like a time hallucinant no time mirage there we go that's the word time mirage in front of batman and then you realize like that scene that we had seen earlier in the series just was explained by barry allen sacrificing himself and i don't know what what it is about dc but they like to like sacrifice the flash characters like motherfuckers will never sacrifice bruce wayne Every time he dies, he's back, like, four comic books later. Like, they shelve and fucking shelve the, the Flash family, like, random characters all the dickin' time. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's something about the Flash that people have enough emotional uh, attachment to him. In, in, in wrestling, you have, a, you have the job guy come in, and he's mm -hmm. going to put over the big bad... You know, so all the other guys can can think of him as serious, you know? And I think the, the Flash is kind of that job guy. But I feel like people have that same connection to Batman. Oh, yeah. To the point that if Batman dies, people just stop fucking dealing with, with DC. It's like, it's so weird to me. It's like he's too crucial of a character. And I'm like, guys, he's not the best... There are better DC characters than Batman. You're you're not wrong, but unfortunately Batman is 50% of the revenue for DC comics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, too many people um really idolize Batman for some of the weirdest reasons, and I used to be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be there. I I love me the Batman films. Don't get me wrong, I'm looking forward to the new Batman movie. I can't remember who the freaking director is off the top of my head now. But the one with Edward from Twilight in it. Yep. Never thought that I would say that I was excited to see Edward in Twilight. Our Pat's, our Pat's pretty good, honestly. He's talented. I didn't realize how talented he was until I found out he got cast for Batman, and I looked into it, and I was like, you know, I got hope for this. I do. I got hope for this, and it looks messed up. It looks like what Batman comic books actually are like. I would make a personal recommendation to you to check out Lindsay Ellis's um, video on uh, her video essay on Twilight. It's really interesting. Is it? Okay, because I've never been a fan of Twilight. Twilight. Right. And th this, this, this has to do with just me liking vampires a tad bit too much, but vampires don't fucking sparkle. They don't sparkle. Yeah. <laughs> I like vampires to, to at least have some weakness. But that's also one of the things that I really like about Marvel comics. You got the vampires with the weaknesses and the ones without the weaknesses. And I don't know of any vampires in DC. When did you read uh, Crisis for the first time? I want to say I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. 
Like I read it, like not even all of it. I don't think I got to the end because it was just so muddled to read. Um, and then I think the first time I fully finished it wasn't even reading it. It was via the uh, channel comic story and listening to the audio version of it. Um, but reading a 400 page event. Oh, it's God, a big that, story. That is, that's intimidating. Like I, I looked at that and I was like, I didn't even finish in humans. And I still consider that one of my favorite comic books. And it's only like 200 and something pages for the whole volume. Which in human story? The 90s one, I can't remember who did it. Who is it? Paul Jenkins. Mm. The Paul Jenkins one. It's in my set, so I can just look back and, you know, <laughs> see it. So what is, uh, what, is, um, what is a DC story that uh, stands out to you as something significant to you? Ooh, honestly, most of them are Batman stories. Tell me about Even it. I poop on Batman. Uh, the- there's, there's, still, there's still amazing Batman stories. I mean, one that stands out to me is uh, Dennis O'Neill and Venom. I don't think I've... Did I read that one? Denny O'Neill was tremendous. I don't think I read that one. Some of my favorites are like The Killing Joke. Mm-hmm. Hush was a really good one. Mm-hmm. That one was mind-bogglingly good. Like, the ending fucked me up. I was like, are you kidding with me? Uh, the Joker graphic novel. Um, Long Halloween was pretty good. So you like you like Loeb a lot? I don't like Loeb a lot, believe it or not. Well, that's two Loeb stories. Which two? Who did the... Which Hush is Lobe. Hush is Lobe? I didn't know that. Swear to God it is. Oh, I didn't realize that. I did not realize that. If if so, I hate Lobe when it comes to like when he dropped over to Marvel's side. I'm pretty sure he did a couple of Marvel things and I was like, no, 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 don't do that. He's worked for everybody at this point for sure. Yeah, yeah Hush is definitely Lobe. I was correct on it that. It is Lobe. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I guess I do like Loeb in DC, just not when he I, moves over to him. I have been accused for being a Jeff Loeb mark, but he is one of those people, kind of like uh, Brian Bendis, when someone pulls back the curtain and you see, yeah, when you see their weaknesses, it's difficult to look away from them, and that is kind of mm-hmm. where that's kind of the space where I'm at with Jeff Loeb. I still do appreciate, like Long Halloween is tremendous. It's not one of my favorites, though. I like it, but I feel like Hush was a better mystery than mm. Long Halloween. Hush was a really good mystery, in my point. That I, I, I was, I was thrown off the trail. I did not expect the ending. I did not put that much um, stock into the Riddler. I did not put that much stock in it. I did not expect that. But that's why I'm looking forward to the new Batman movie. Because I'm like, oh, they're putting stock into the Riddler. I like this. I like this. He's a messed up character. Jim Carrey did a great job as the Riddler, but I want to see like the the Riddler, the Riddler, if that makes sense. No, I think I get it. Seeing him, seeing it reinterpreted is a big part of what makes comics fun. Oh yeah, I can't stand when people get aggravated that a comic book movie is not exactly the same as the comic book that it was based off of Mm. drives me fucking wild because it's like do you guys not know how comic books work like we redo events all the time oh yeah like they they, we redo events all the time somebody rewrites and reinterprets it in the comic book format god some people just hold some (laughs) cognitive dissonance about stuff as usual Comic book fans are terrible. I think we're getting towards the end of our time. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts you'd like to talk about for uh, Crisis? Uh, I think my only closing thought on Crisis is 
The multiverse in DC is too damn confusing. That's true. It needs true. to be rebuilt. And if they could just make it a little bit simpler while still having infinite Earths, it would be amazing. That's my closing argument. It's a good one. I sustained. Case closed. <laughs> Case closed. He is guilty. Plugs. What do you got? Uh, the only plug I really got is uh, you know, if you want to check me out, head over to www.freddyeddy.com or twitch.tv slash freddyeddy. They'll both take you to the same place. I stream Sundays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, usually about some sort of political or social thing. Um, a lot of the time trying to relate it back to pop culture in some way, shape, or form, depending on what the topic is or technology. So, Plus, you wear a Yeti onesie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am a Yeti inside oh, yes. of a skin suit who wears a onesie on the internet to try to blend in with you people. George Soros pays me to let me get the, the you know, propaganda out to y'all. Get those Soros bucks. <laughs> well, I always appreciate talking to you. This has been uh, really pleasant. Yeah, it's been a great conversation. Definitely got to have you back on my stream soon. I would relish the chance to do some more chatting with you and just do more connecting. I think it's great. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. as in a defense of this book is one, nothing like this existed when it, when it came out. Yeah. There, there like, uh, the original Secret War came out a year prior to this in Marvel, where you see all these, you know, it literally is the action figure comic book where they just have all these superheroes and villains like smash into each other. The Beyond are just, you know, but it's just, it doesn't change the universe fundamentally. It changed some character status quos. That's where Spider-Man got the symbiote costume. You know, Ben Grimm left the Fantastic Four for a little while, like things like that. But it didn't reboot continuity. That was like a brand new idea of like, oh, we're going to reset everything. Everyone's going to start over. We get a new origin story for Batman. Superman has le is less powerful now. He's a little bit more vulnerable. He doesn't. He is not uh, omni universal god anymore. He he's he is vulnerable. He can be killed. Even he can be hurt. And uh, those that's novel at the time in particular like you mm. and there was no like oh my god i get to see hundreds of characters that i have read you know if you're following dc comics you've read these characters for decades and even if you haven't necessarily read them for decades you have known them and you you're you're seeing them in this big bombastic event and just like people today like bombastic events they liked them back then and when you're a kid it means even more when you read them when you're young it makes a much bigger imprint on you and i will add this it's so easy now to be desensitized to this stuff where every like every uh, like every three months one there's a story that it's gonna change comics it's gonna change the marvel universe it's gonna change the dc universe and uh, you and I are like, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Sure. I mean, cool. Like, what happened? Oh, Civil War Two. Oh, okay. Oh, Hulk's dead? Oh, no, he's not. Hawkeye's dead? No, he's not. Ant-Man's dead? No, he's not. Like, you know, like, I can think of, like, even in the time span that we have been doing this podcast, 
How many characters have we watched die and come back? A lot of them. I'm still waiting for Uncle Ben. I mean, that's the last, like, that's all that's left. Like, I mean, we watched Wolverine die. He's back. Mm-hmm. All the X-Men status quo has fundamentally changed. You know, like, there's, we watched, I'm trying to, like, Vision died. Vision hasn't come back yet. Or he did, but he didn't. See, that's the thing. Like, you know, like, a character will die for the Hulk died. Like, when we were first reading, Hawkeye had died. Like, all these characters are coming, hey, come back and... Like it's it's not a it's not a, it's not a big deal anymore. Secret Wars was I think the biggest deal we've had because it did reboot Marvel sort of, and Marvel had never done that. DC has done it many times, and God Almighty, even while we've been doing this podcast, DC has rebooted their continuity twice for sure and once softly. Yeah, on top of it, makes uh, me grumpy. Exactly, and so. Even like it's easy to say, oh, we have to think about this comic as important for its time and place, which it is. But you, no one can erase their memories. No one can erase and, and include their experiences of having followed comic books closely. And you and I have followed comic books very closely for the length of this podcast. And after a while, you're like, that's the, it's not exciting anymore. It's not interesting. You're just you see it barefaced plain as manipulation you see it as money a money grab when you want to be the most cynical which i have been and you too we've both been that oh this is just to make money there's no story that needs to be told here um so but when you're if you read this when you're young and you don't read this in the year 2021 after you've read nine reboots from companies in the past decade you go wow this is new and interesting and i recognize all these characters and oh my god they're destroying worlds i've never seen this before at this scale i've never seen something happen at this scale across an entire universe of a comic book before ever and i can't believe it i can't believe they're doing this big thing and it was new. And it was like when I, you know, Marv Wolfman's not exaggerating when it says why uh, they wouldn't want to do it because it doesn't, wouldn't have a high number. Because they're all the com- DC, these like detective comics that existed for 50 years. Um, I can see, you can see the appeal, you can see the charm. And I'm not going to, like, I don't know. There are still things that I read when I was a kid where I go back and go, ah, oh, yeah, I maybe it's hasn't aged well. But I still like it. It still has a soft space in my heart because of what it meant to me at the time. That's just me being, I'm trying to be positive about it. Um, Why you could like the story, even though the story is complete nonsense. And Mm. if you really want to break it down, it's like, well, a lot of superhero comics are nonsense. Yeah. What does it matter if this one is nonsense? Who cares? And if if you have an established connection to these characters... That it means something. Then you are watching these superheroes die. You know there is, you know, uh, people still bring up, you know, Barry Allen's sacrifice in this as an important thing. Uh, I didn't read a lot of Flash, but to me, Wally West was the Flash. I didn't really think about Barry Allen as the Flash. Barry Allen was the Silver Age character that you know I didn't really I didn't know about Crisis when I was a kid, but when I was a, ch- a very tiny child, this came out the year I was born, <laughs> but. I I grew up with everything after this.
What's this? And Andrew? Hello. Hello, handsome boys. It's me, the Andrew Bloom from Earth 7. It, it's a plucky little world where I'm the host of a wonderful show called There's Very Little Meat in This Gym Shooter. It's, it's a podcast where we review comics using nothing but Simpsons quotes and occasionally devolve into a little cannibalism, you know, depending on what comes up. That's, but you did read you, you what we're talking about crisis on infinite earths have you read that yes yes oh. and i assume the version we have in our earth is the same as the one in your earth there, there may be some adjustments at the margins I, I assume it's the same i mean it is still talking about you know the multiverse in dc comics so it has to be the same it just is probably maybe i assume you got like it did you also receive that comic through a portal uh, through a crisis event I did. I did. There was a loud noise. I couldn't quite figure out where it was coming from. And then, boom, it just sort of appeared to me. Okay. It has to be the same. I will. Well, I'll trust yeah. that it's the same. It's a it's a very long comic. I'm not going to try and not going to try and figure out the differences. Probably not worth it. I, I was going to say, my at least my understanding is all the other comic books in my universe are different, except for the Crisis comics. Those are the only ones that are the same across universes. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It, it, it makes sense in the same way this comic book makes sense. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that, that definition at all. Why not, Andrew? Did you not enjoy this comic book? I mean, I, I'm not going to say that I didn't enjoy this comic book because I, I appreciated this comic book intellectually. I can appreciate what it's doing, and I can appreciate that it was, if not the first story to do it for the comics world, then at least the most significant, the one that set the tone and the trend. But I, I think more and more, the conclusion that I drew as to how I felt about Crisis on Infinite Earths was that this story isn't for me. And I don't mean that in the sense of, hey, this flavor of ice cream isn't for me. I mean, in the sense that this story was not intended for somebody in my position. It was intended for somebody who is very familiar, or at least much more even casually familiar with the 50 years of comics leading up to Crisis on Infinite Earths. And so there was a, a large sense in which, at least for me coming into it, not just years and years later, but as somebody who is less immersed in the medium to begin with, like I was watching the series finale of a show I'd never watched any other episodes of. <laughs> and, you know, the, the thing is, it's even worse than that, because... I have also consumed tons and tons of media that is founded on the post-crisis universe and the post-crisis conceptions of these characters and evolutions of them that have taken place over the ensuing, uh, you know, three and a half decades since this came out. And so in some ways, it's not just watching the series finale, having not seen the previous show. It's like, you know, watching the series finale for the 1970s Battlestar Galactica show being only familiar with the 2000s reboot. Not only am I not immersed in what led to this point, but uh, the characters seem wrong to me, not because they're wrong, not because the stories are wrong, but because I was socially socialized into a different version of them. And so there's, there's ways in which it is just familiar enough for me to understand what's going on, but just foreign enough to be frustrating and a little difficult for me to immerse myself into. Is everyone on Earth 7 so eloquent and well-spoken? 
Oh, you're you're exceedingly kind. I thank you from a universe full of big lugs. That's not true at all. Uh, that's <laughs> that's one hundred percent false. Um, trying to process everything you just said. Um, it is. I I mean, I I one of my questions for you is: Do you recognize these characters? Do you recognize any of these characters? Not in like not literally not like not can you name who Supergirl is, but do you are you familiar enough with like does this feel like Superman to you? Does that feel like Batman, etc.? I, I think the answer is no. Not that they're unrecognizable as a potential version of them, but they don't track with the versions of these characters that I know, which is is frankly a mostly from the film and television side, but b just from how the popular conceptions of these characters have evolved in the years and decades since this comic came out. And, you know, I, I think there is, I, I don't want to speak about where comics has gone since then, because it's not something that I have an authority on, but I will say that at least in terms of the superhero stories that I have seen, there is a, I don't want to say a bent towards realism, but there is a, a bent towards treating these characters very much as, at least in the stories that I most appreciate people who are not just experiencing grand events on a plot scale, but also on a personal level. And I think there's a lot every once in a while in crisis on infinite earths, you will get to what is the personal impact of these stories on these characters. Uh, I think my favorite stretch in the entire uh, you know, 300, 400 page graphic novel is when you get to the Superman of Earth 2, who's like, I'm somebody from a world that no longer exists. I've been the last survivor of my people, not once, but twice. And I am have lost the love of my life. And that is a devastating, destabilizing event for me. And I am going to do everything in my power to turn that into something uh, that fuels me to do good rather than just, you know, simply going along with everything that is happening here. And I, I, if I have a complaint about the way, the way those characters are treated, even if they're the characterizations are not ones I'm familiar with, it's that we don't get enough of those kinds of moments where we see how people think and feel about these universe shaking events that are happening too much. It's like, okay, well we have to go here and do the thing. And then we're going to cut over here and do the other thing. And then we're going to cut to another universe and another universe and so forth and so on, where there's so much tourism that you don't have enough time or real estate to spend with any one character or even a handful of characters to get the emotional impact of what's happening. And that's, that's what I like about good comic stories is not just, the whirlwind of uh, crisis events and crazy uh, megalomaniacal interdimensional beings threatening you. But what are the human beings or aliens or souls that are, are trapped in that struggle? This is a template. There weren't, uh, there weren't really events like this prior to crisis. There certainly was never, there have been DC, like Marvel has only really rebooted their continuity the one time that's very recently in the grand scheme scheme of things dc this is the first time they did it and secret wars was the only other big event uh that it, comics had really done at all that was in marvel the year prior so mm -hmm. there was no there was no template to follow they had no idea what they were doing really um and to be fair there are still big events that do this same idea to this very day and still fall into that same trap of 
there is a lot of big things happening, but I don't really connect to any of the people. I don't want to connect to any of the characters because they're not really focusing on small stories. They are focusing on, I, they are focusing on the big universe, overarching destruction, catastrophe, calamity, and therefore you miss out on some of those small things. Um, I don't know if you know any of the reasons that they did this event comic in the first place, why there was a crisis. My understanding is, and I, I find this ironic, is that the, the whole thing was an effort to be more friendly to new and casual readers. And I, I find that ironic because I, I think it was a pretty impenetrable comic for me a lot of the time. And I, I don't think, I don't necessarily have a problem with that because like I said at the top, I think it's it's for people who know these backstories and characters already. It's not meant to be an introduction, which is fine. It doesn't have to be. It's okay to make this a treat for fans who'd stuck with DC Comics for 50 years. But it's it's surprisingly inaccessible for someone who's been invested in the universe that resulted from this event over the next 35 years. I mean, I think that is the odd thing about this book. Um, because you're you, the, they they restructured, they rebooted continuity because of that fact. Because they wanted people to be able to jump back in and not have to have read 50 years of comics to understand what was going on. But, and that's the reason they have this book. There is, there's also the idea that that DC was losing very badly to Marvel at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were fighting a perception that they were old fashioned, that DC was your grandpa's book. They were your the, the the old people, you know. It it's old. They're like it's it's corny, uh, and we're gonna reboot the stories. We're gonna reboot the books and make them more make them more fashionable, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. To be fair, it largely worked. And like you're, I am also mostly familiar with the post crisis version of these characters. That's what I read when I was growing up. I read that Superman. I read that Batman. I was. I never read Barry Allen as the Flash. It was always, always it was always Wally West. Um, mm-hmm. I find it interesting that you. I mean, you find that I. I had. I almost. I considered asking you, like, I. Hey, Andrew, tell me what happens in this comic book. <laughs> I. I think the answer is very, very simple. It is they fight the Monitor and his goons over and over again, and just when you think that they've beat him. Uh, they beat him again and he comes back and they beat him again. And we jump around and around the world just to see how other people are beating him or beating his shadow people or whatever else. But there's there's nothing more to it than that. And I mean, I don't want to say that. that that's reductive. There are other things going on. But I, I guess it's frustrating. I, I will say this. I think a lot of my criticisms or a lot of the things that kept the book from resonating with me have to do with the fact that I'm just not the target audience for it. And that's okay. Different stories can be for different people, well, especially stories that are, are paying off long running continuities and, and driving forward with them. That is, that's going to bring but, up my other point in that the people, the book, whoever this book is for is for people who theoretically aren't going to, aren't necessarily the target audience for the new stories. They're the people yeah. who like, like the old continuity, you want to see an ending for all these characters before they get rebooted. And it, it, that 
just like you said, I am also more interested in this book kind of intellectually and academically than I am in the contents of it because it brings up the idea of like, why do they have a, is this just a season finale for all those fans of all that continuity? Why do you need this at all? Couldn't you just say, couldn't you just snap your fingers uh, and have a bunch of new stories start, start, with a new a new Superman book uh, written and drawn by John Byrne, and not worry about who cares. Like, oh yeah, we it's forgotten. Do we need to explain all this? Does this need explaining? Do you need a big event that's twelve issues long, filled with a lot of uh, fury and and fighting, but not much character? Do you need that? And maybe we don't trust people to want to read or be interested in things when there's not a ton of fighting and explosions and giant energy beams being blasted in, in uh, anti-dimensional space or antimatter space or positive space or the space that's inside <laughs> Alexander Luthor. Like I can't, I can't keep track of it what space there is. It's in. all nonsense, Andrew. None of it is, it is all nonsense. Everything in this book is nonsense. Um, <laughs> technically they're fighting the anti-monitor. Not the, the, the big bad is the anti-monitor. Technically he calls himself yes. the monitor, but again, it's nonsense. It's all, it is all one here. The answer, this is my answer. I don't know if this is the right answer, but I think they don't necessarily need a series finale as you've as you have used as a metaphor. But you can make a lot of money with that series finale. You can sell a lot of comic books, which is, I think, ultimately why they did this. Um, Do you like George Perez's George Perez's art? I, I have a very clear divide in how I feel about the art in this in this graphic novel, at least in particular, is that I don't like the character designs. I find most of them either silly or ugly uh <laughs> starfire to me oh looks no like if they let's not talk about Fair- starfire <laughs> she looks like if they made farrah fawcett into a stripper i mean um, andrew yeah, it- why do you why do you think they designed her costume like that i mean fair, fair but i mean you know even apart from that which is i'm sure of its time like anti-monitor looks like man ray from spongebob to me it's it's <laughs> yeah, all mean- just he does very eighties tastic. I'm, here, I have a really what I'm gonna. I, I'm getting... I, I hate to tell you this, Andrew. I'm pretty sure that it, it's the opposite, and that they designed the SpongeBob character to look more like the Anti Monitor. There's almost uh, there, I guarantee you the person who designed um, designed him is that has read Infinite Cri- Crisis on Infinite Earths. Probably that's I, fair. I, it's I would probably guess. the the Weird Al effect on my part. I, I fully accept that, okay. but but I, I guess I'll, I'll say this for it. I actually really like the more impressionistic artwork of universes exploding, reforming, and the way that the backgrounds are designed, particularly when you're getting into some of that more more liminal space where you're trying to represent the unrepresentable or, or things that are less uh, clear. Hey, here's a person in a particular place. You're just getting at these sort of ineffable ineffable qualities of the universe forming and reforming. I thought that part was really beautiful and the artistic highlight of the book for me, but I had a a tough time with some of the character designs by contrast. Well, a lot of the character designs are left or remnants from, you know, 50 years ago or, or, you know, or 30 years ago or the seventies, like, you know, God almighty, the seventies was really rough on comic book costumes. I don't like sixties. You can look at any other decade, literally any other decade, except like the seventies and the nineties, every other decade is Mm -hmm. completely fine. You look at the seventies and nineties, half the costumes look so absurd. 
uh, <laughs> and you're like, why on earth would anyone design the characters look like that? But well, that, that was my one big criticism of the character design is there were not nearly enough pouches. I mean, I don't know where they kept everything. You said you didn't want to talk about where comic books went after this, <laughs> Andrew. It's certainly a thing I'll, I'm sure will come up in our uh, other discussions, but it is. This is a, a harbinger of what comic books would become of of the, the, the endless events that spell the end of the world. And... Was it a, a harbinger for what harbinger would become? Harbinger would... It, I Yes. Are you talking about the <laughs> the Malibu comic? Not Malibu, but... Uh, or no, the character, Harbinger. Yeah, Valiant. Are you talking about the Valiant comics, Harbinger? No, isn't... Am I am I crazy? Isn't the... Oh, Harbinger from this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whatever. I don't... Like I said, this is nonsense, <laughs> Andrew. I like that she was such a central, pivotal character in this story. And you're like, who? What in God's name are you talking <laughs> this, about? Well, to be fair, she stops being Harbinger. Crazy. She starts. She stops being Harbinger halfway through this story, uh, and then she who is, can keep up with and then she's, what she is. Isn't. And then she's gone forever. There is no like again. All these characters die. That's the thing. There's a lot of death in this book, um, and they disappear forever. But they don't. It doesn't impact me in a way I think a lot of people feel. It, it feels more interesting in that metatextual level of we're watching the characters disappear because for a long time there weren't, you know, there weren't ten Supermans anymore. There was one. It's a, it's a powerful thing to harmonize a character in that way and essentially take away the versions that people knew uh, from one point or another. But I, I have to say, as somebody who has consumed a lot of these characters' stories through film and television, it's it's hard for me to be invested in those kinds of deaths, not just because it's comic books and people come back from the dead all the time, though granted, I, I don't know that that was necessarily as common then as it is now, but also because, you know, the the DC animated universe ended. And so those versions of the characters, while they still sort of pop up here and there, that had an end point. If you watch a, a series of films, if you watch a series of, of television episodes, you are used to the idea that like, yeah, you may have had these characters for some period of time. You may have grown attached to them, but now their story is ended and another version of the character is going to exist and their story is going to begin. And if there is a silver lining to the constant reboots and remakes and cinematic universes and every way that we try to uh, turn meat into sausage in the, the comic book industry, or at least the comic book story industry, it's that it's gotten us very, very used to that concept that there are multiple valid interpretations of these characters and they can coexist. And it's okay for one set of stories to end their run and, and complete something and for another set to begin. And maybe that's just my perspective Coming from the movie and TV side, I uh, it would not shock me if there are, uh, shall we say, partisans uh, closer to the source material who feel very strongly that such and such is my Batman and such and such is not my Batman, and I will accept no substitutes. That's a very big ball of worms, uh, Andrew. That is, I don't want to necessarily try and pull apart in our our your crisis portal. I think is going to be closing <laughs> relatively soon. We will we'll be cut off mid conversation if we start talking about oh, no. all that stuff. Um, I think if this is, I would I would weigh this is an interesting artifact, and I think 
uh, is very, like a lot of comic books that Eric and I have read over the years in this podcast, especially older comics, this is an important comic. It's, it's, it's part of the canon, you know, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily, I don't, I hear, I'm going to, I'll ask this question. Would you call this comic book good? I would not. Because it's separate and apart from the things that make it inaccessible to me, I just don't think it's a very good story. You know, there's no <laughs> real protagonist and no real narrative progression or arcs for anyone. You're just constantly jumping from world to world, from character to character, without any source of a broader whole. You know, the, the closest you get to a main character is Harbinger Alexander Luthor, but it's not like they really grow or evolve or even drive the action for most of the story. And and the rest of what you get is just a bunch of fights and ominous portents, followed by more bigger fights and even more ominous warnings that are coming through. So it's it's you know a, a bunch of fireworks, which is fine, and then a bunch of exposition dumps on the fact that there's only one universe now. And I, I get why they needed to do it, but it's just it's watching somebody move heavy machinery around, followed by a bunch of aimless, flavorless weightless action that has no logic or at least no understanding I could wrap my feeble earth seven brain around. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I guess let's put it this way. If somebody decided, I, I know that they did an Arrowverse crisis on infinite earths and I could see a version of this where if you just mash up characters that I knew that I loved that are all just fighting together against some amorphous enemy without a lot of narrative stakes, without a lot of big storytelling that I would expect from a a typical thing. I, you know, I could appreciate that as fan service. And I think the best you can say is I, I can see how this would be good fan service, but as somebody who doesn't have those same attachments, all I see are the strings. And I think too many of them are, uh, are limp and dangling. I think that's fair. I think our, I think your your crisis portal is is uh, on its way out, Andrew. I think we're well, about we're about I, to we're about to culminate. We're about to become a single Earth uh, once again. Well, this this is exciting. I, I look forward to joining all of you, you kind folks on uh, Earth Prime or Earth One or whatever Earth we're we're all going it's to just, be merged. It's just into, Earth. There is no. We don't need it. It's a, just Earth at that point. You don't need to make it a number because there's only there is the only the one. Um, but before we go, is there anything you'd like to plug? Well, I I would just like to say on a slightly more serious note, uh, congratulations to you and congratulations to Eric on 300 superb episodes. It shows a devotion to the medium that is very impressive and also to treating it with all the rigor and humor it deserves. So it's, it's a big achievement. I have already uh, pre-ordered multiple copies of this episode and stored them in airtight Mylar bags because it is something <laughs> worth preserving oh, and celebrating. No, no, Andrew, <laughs> don't contribute to that. Don't pre-order things. I'd hate the comic book industry <laughs> here. That's for three for 300 issues. That's, 300 episodes, that's my con- contribution is the comic book industry needs to be – we need a crisis event to sell comic books. We need to <laughs> – <laughs> don't put don't put things in my lower bags comic books are meant to be read they're stories <laughs> we're not collecting things well that fact notwithstanding i think it is it is quite a collection of very great insights and uh worthy literary criticisms that you have applied here and, and it's something to be very proud of and so i i tip my earth seven cap to you 
And we'll we'll close by saying if anybody would like to find my stuff on this earth or any other, uh, you can find it at my website, theandrewblog.net. Three words, theandrewblog.net. You can find me on Twitter at theandrewblog. And you can find my writing at websites like The Spools, Slash Film, and Consequence. So thank you for letting me uh, – thank you for facilitating this crisis event for me to stick my head in here. And uh, I hope that the um, whatever earth we end up on is a good one. Mm. I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Crisis alert. Um, but this brings me to another question. I had a question I have for you, Eric. And this is more of a theoretical question. Does, does a superhero comic universe need, let's say an editorial staff, goes we need to reboot our continuity it's a mess we want to start from scratch again we want to give our writers a new chance to rebuild from the very beginning they make this decision do you think that you need a comic book that explains how it happens after having kind of experienced so many of these things i kind of think no just because i've i've never really enjoyed one They've never given me any pleasure or been very interesting. Um, I don't think mostly they do anything good anymore. And I would almost just prefer to see people just write stuff. You know, I don't know. I guess the modern and like the comic book nerds of the past 40 years, they have demanded this kind of thing, you know? Where they sit there and ask you, are, are we supposed to expect that a wizard did this? You know, mm-hmm. is is that why we have crisis events now? Is it is it the nerd guys who are like, I sure hope someone got fired for that blunder? I mean, I have uh, an even simpler answer, and that answer is money. I mean, of course it's money. Yeah. I mean, everything, it is, it is a capitalist enterprise, you know, mm-hmm. from top to bottom. Of course it is. Of course it is. Um, of course they're trying to sell event books. Of course they're trying to sell new whatevers. Like, you know, the question is not like, why is it? But like, just is it at all? Um, and I would I would prefer a world where these things were just written a little differently. And maybe we don't pay too much attention to like how a world really hangs together in a continuity where people fly through the air and turn into big green men and sh- like you can throw a disc and it comes back to you and like, you know, grown men dressed like bats and. Say, I will thank you, Father. I'll become a bat or whatever in the, the, the double shit he says. Um, I, I, I don't know that I care for it. I just, I don't know. Give me, give me, give me subtle true art or give me big, dumb, stupid bullshit like Jack Kirby, like everyone screaming on every page. And like, and none of it makes fucking sense, but I don't fucking care. 
because it's amazing. Um, yeah, and I know? don't think I don't think this quite gets there. Yeah, I, I I think the George the it's not, and I think George Price's art does a uh holds up its end of the bargain, but mm. I I don't, and obviously I don't necessarily blame Marv Wolfman for this because he is trying to piece together a bunch of puzzle pieces that did not come in the same box. Right. I I think he's very much doing, I mean, blazing a path and doing something very unique for that moment. And I'm in a very privileged position of being 800 years later and (laughs) saying like, oh, this is this sure is stupid, Marv. Why are you such an idiot? You know, like I like I I can't judge a guy for inventing something whole cloth and it not being perfect, you know, 40 years later. Um, Yes. And I I, I mean, it's not it it is, I think, a I I don't know. There is it is certainly a thing that I think ties into. I think it is appropriate is in this episode that we were discussing this because. I'm sure there are people who have an endless appetite for this stuff. I mean, and and clearly there are those people exist because death metal sold well. Of course. And we both hated it. (laughs) And it's like, you know, and when, and after I talked to you, Eric, honestly, I think I liked it less than I liked it before. And because you pointed out even more things that I go, Oh, right. That's also true. Those are more weaknesses, more holes, more flaws. And after you follow superhero comics for, I don't know, for certainly the last you know years we've done this podcast, you you more easily see the cynical stuff. See the stuff where they hold back the X Men for a for a long time because they mm-hmm. don't hold the film rights, where they don't let characters get married because married characters don't sell as well. Uh, they, they don't let, you know, where you, where they rewrite Spider-Man because they don't want Spider-Man married anymore. Things like that, where you're like, after so many times you just, and so certainly now it's worse now in superhero comics than ever is the recycled ideas and the saturation in this very episode, you talked about how many goddamn Joker comic books are we going to get? Joker miniseries. Mm-hmm. At one point, I think in the span of a month, we got three different new Joker miniseries. Yeah. There was there was three Jokers. We read at least two of them. We we dabbled in all... We read the entirety of three Jokers. We dabbled in both the sexy Joker... <laughs> the sexy Joker book. Yeah. Uh and then there's the additional uh, Joker origin story with Harley Quinn book. And mm-hmm. then on top of that, there was after the fact we've gotten and since then, we've gotten an additional Joker book that is someone hunting down the Joker. So like you see the same characters because they sell, you get another book from them, another book about them, another book about them and you get tired of it. You get really tired and you get very, you get, it's very easy to get very cynical and bitter about it. Because the closer you get, the worse it gets. If you just dabble in superhero comics, you just pick and choose the things you like, uh, and you don't really get you don't get exposed to four Joker books in the span of a month or two months, like we have. I mean, it's partially my fault because I 
me to us read them. But pick the worst every time. I mean, to be fair, I also we also read a lot of great comic books. But um, it's not necessarily oh, I'm against superhero comics because some of my favorite comics from the past couple of years are superhero comics. Immortal Hulk among them. I think that that the, all the X Men books, you know, Dawn of X and Powers of X, those books were incredible and make me care about the X-Men again. Um, Immortal Hulk, those books still stand out and are still great. And I still love a lot of superhero stories, but the idea of a big connected universe, when you are forced to watch a lot of your favorite characters get pulled into events that you don't care about, but they're world spanning, so, and this is a connected universe. So you have to remember when we read Miss Marvel. I, yeah, yes, I do yes. remember Miss Marvel. The, how many tie-in events were was she drawn into? They kept they kept fucking her over, didn't they? And G Willow Wilson, God bless her. Her her she the the character she was born right. Uh, managed to make those tying events meaningful to Kamala and managed to make that those meaningful to the character. But I don't necessarily, I don't need to see it's and like, it's become that, that, that the double edged sword where certainly as a child, I was so excited about this connected universe where I see all these characters interact and I read, a, I read a Thor book and then I read a Wolverine book and then suddenly, Oh, they're, they're, they're in a book together. Wow, I know these characters, and now they're both together. Two great tastes taste great together. Nowadays, that's more of a drawback to me. You know, I don't need to see crossover. I want isolated stories that I could follow from beginning to end without them being changed or affected. Or I don't need editorial to tell me that the thing wouldn't be in this comic book because he can't because he'd be in this other comic book at the same time. Like that theoretical nerd. The I hope someone got fired for that blunder, because those people exist. Continuity is the devil, mm-hmm. as Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue have said. Am I to believe this is some kind of magic xylophone? <laughs> I don't know. I think I am. I personally don't need an event to tie things up. You give me a number one and tell me as a, I'm an adult. If the edit- editors of a, a news uh, of a comic book company say we are rebooting continuity, starting on this date, and you can still give individual writers let them write an ending to a character before the the flip, without a big event doing it, they just have individual endings, and then a, a date goes by, and then suddenly the next week. All the books are new books. They're new characters. We don't necessarily establish any kind of origins for them. We read it new and fresh. I'm okay with that. I don't. I I don't need a in universe in universe justification for your nonsense. Like you, they just switch over from Immortal Hulk to Donny Cates Hulk to the, and they're not that similar. Well. I'm going to tell you something, bud. We are heading towards more continuity and not less. We have we have the the Bud Light Knight coming into uh, Geico commercials or whatever in the fuck. This is this is just the people have spoken and they want bad stuff. And 
I can't speak. Both Andrew and Matt had never had no relationship with this book or mm-hmm. with these characters, and mm-hmm. they both were cold, largely. Yeah, so much like much like us. Uh, they both can respect it much like we do, but I think it is a, some of it's nostalgia, and some of it is. Mm-hmm. I in my case, I will say personally, I am burnt out by things like this. And I know that this is original at the time and is important and all that. The legacy of this book has beaten you to death. Yes. And so I can't, I know I, it's hard for me to go, oh, it's so, I like all these things happening when I've seen it happen a dozen times in my lifetime and oh, every yes. single time, every time after the first time is worse, appreciably worse and worse. At least when like Graham Morrison did it, he just went, nah, fuck it all. I'll do whatever the fuck I want and make it all even more nonsense. It goes past, you know, final crisis at least is just so batshit crazy. I just go, okay. I mean, at least Graham Morrison just went, I'm going to do Graham Morrison and I don't care. Um, I can appreciate that. Um, but, I it, I can't find affection for it. I can't find a, a a charm in it because I know what comes next. And it's and it's certainly like I don't know. It might be cynical. It might be bitter. But I I I I I'm I want I I read comic books for stories. I don't want to. I don't need something to be big and po- big and world spanning. It can. Well, I think be, at the end of the day, we, I think at the end of the day. We read it for characters. Yes. We both do. Yes. And I think that you can have those things overlap. Just Mm -hmm. when you do it a lot, there's just, it doesn't, it seems to get diminishing returns. I think that's the story where it's just like, oh, it's another, when you tell me in retrospect, this is the first time it happened. I'm like, oh, okay. So I can blame this book for it for all the times after. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's interesting because... I don't think anyone watches movies for whatever this is. And if someone releases a movie that was written the way this was written, I think it would be panned. I think it would absolutely be panned. I think people would just be like, what is, what is fucking happening? What is all this crazy shit? You know, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's so big and nonsensical and it's so interesting that this style of creating a story and characters like it it is so accepted in comics and that people will will love this story forever and give oscars i mean oscars eisners to monstrous you know who kind of does a story like this a little bit which we famously hated um do you think that's an apt comparison I mean, I think the writing is certainly comp- comparable, where it's just like a lot of nothing mm-hmm. piecing together a bunch of characters I don't really care that much about with mm-hmm. a, with art that is very good. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm 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 right. Just say I'm right. Just I mean, say Eric, you're right. You're a big smart boy. You're you're a you're a, you should put that on your business card. You, you have the boy. you have the nicest scram unit. Your scram unit's the best. Top top of the tops. It's the scrammiest. It's the scrammiest. That's um, unfortunately makes me think of Ren and Stimpy. Um, <laughs> the, the pedophile that made Ren and Stimpy. Yes, exactly. Kind of. Um, I. I. I think that. I think that this book is interesting to me on an academic level, but 
I I could easily I could easily you know I could spend hours breaking down the story and how the plot holds to make sense and you know I could do what I do with the Simpsons every week but what's the point uh, there's no I don't need to do that for this no. and it that is like it is it is Marv Wolfman going I had this idea when I was a kid and suddenly I have an opportunity to try and and a bunch of universes of the DC and piece things and bring things. And I ultimately I'm happy that they did this, like that they chose to reboot their continuity because this, the Batman that comes, the post crisis version of these characters are the ones I grew up with because they are Marvel effectively. You know, they are the Marvel version of DC characters. People complain about that now, like, Oh, Marvel and DC used to be very different. I'm like, they, DC changed a long time ago, man. Like the super, the the Clark that comes out of Crisis, the post Crisis Clark, the Man of Steel, John Burns Clark, is a not a god pretending to be human. You know, he's he's very human. The, the year year one does not. Batman's no longer a mythical. He's he's they. I would say Batman's gone the other way more recently than anyone because he is. Yeah. For a long time, he was that god type character, but. The, the eighty late eighties Batman was that you know fragile and human person. All those characters are Wally West. That's a like you compare Wally West to Barry Allen. Wally West is a person. He's a human. Barry Allen is a god. You know, and and he's the those those core members of the Justice League. And I like those versions better. I like you just said it, Eric. We like characters, and I can empathize with a human. I can empathize with people struggling with their daily lives and trying to fit in being a superhero at the same time. I can't empathize with, you know, and I could break, you could break it down like and say like Batman was already going that way in the late seventies to the early eighties. Um, but you know, that's, you're, you're splitting hairs at that point. And I, it, DC was just following market trends really because Marvel was doing so much better. People didn't want to read these old fashioned DC books anymore. And I, I think, honestly, at the end of the day, they went, well, we can make a buck killing off the old universes. That's what we're going to do. And I don't I don't know. I think that is a little bit sad to me because it tells me that the comic books have been that way since, like, you know, it's and Secret War at the same time was in 84. And that's the birth of event comics. And they've felt the diminishing returns again. Like there how many there are currently probably a dozen events running in both Marvel and DC at this moment. There's so many every week, Eric, I go to buy comic books for us for we see what we're going to read. And I'm like, there's another one. There's another one. It's just then like, you know, daredevil devil's reign is going on right now. And I'm like, well, why do I care about devil's reign? Do I have to have read daredevil, but do I also have to have read these other dozen comic books? Like, I don't want to. I want to read that. I don't care about fear state because like, and then future state. And like, there's like, you know, I was talking about this. I was grousing about it in an episode not too long ago. Like, I don't know what's happening. I'm an old man. (laughs) I can't follow all this stuff anymore. Comic books aren't a dollar anymore, guys. I can't spend $60 on a comic books every week. You know, sir, that's quitter talk. I know. I know. Why stop at 60? I know. Just give him a couple. $500. Give all your money to Dan DiDio. Just mail it to him. Maybe. He's not. No, you're still mailing it to him. Oh, just, just not to DC, but to Dan DiDio. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. 
he's not working for them. Anyway. No, I, f- I figured um, he was. Yes. Yeah. Um, luckily, that's that is a good cho- a good change, and I think something that I think is why I think DC books have got appreciably better in the like broadly over the mm-hmm. past year or so. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence, but I think it's it's largely where I go more picky as a comics reader, and there's so many comics now for a long, long time. That's the other thing I think. I think we haven't mentioned. There was no, there was no other comic books unless you were like picking up dirty, <laughs> dirty. Uh, uh, what's the name of the? Well, I can't think of uh, the cat. The, the, uh, why am I an idiot, Eric? Um, I, I mean, let me let me count the ways. Like, um, th- are, are, are you trying comics, to say Fritz the cat? Fritz the cat, but comics with an X, stuff like that. Yeah, where. That was it. That was if you wanted not read a non-superhero comic, that's what you had to read. I like that I was able to figure out that you meant Fritz the Cat from that completely inarticulate slop you just sputtered well, at me. We you we have a a certain uh, share a certain wavelength at this point, Art. Um, we finish each other's sandwiches. I I don't think that's true because neither we of us finish our own sandwiches. We is finish the our own. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Members of the Clean Plate Club. <laughs> yes. Um, there was no alternatives. Now there is. Now there's more than I can read. Yeah. I don't have enough time in the day. I don't have enough money to buy all the comic books. You know, there's just so many. And I'm not complaining because we're getting great stories. There's like... Well, maybe maybe this is even a result of that. You know, you're turned off of the stuff that you think isn't quality, but maybe it's you they're putting something big and dumb and shiny in front of most other people. It's hard to say because it does seem like superhero comics are in some kind of plateau, you know. Comics in general do seem to be growing, especially when they can think of how to get it in front of new eyeballs and new retailers and new bookstores or whatever. And it's not just, you know, it's not just let's reboot DC comics for the sixth time this year. Yeah. And I, I, so again, it's not like comics are a bad place right now. Maybe superhero comics, you can contest that, but I don't think that's true either. I think superhero comics are still in a good place. I I still Largely. like a great many of them. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I mean, I, I again, I think it's like you don't have to read. They release so many of them. It's just sometimes it's hard to figure out which one is which. But I think it's the closeness to which we follow comics for so long. It's just like you get so close, it, it's, it's a little scalding. But I don't. I'm not. A, I don't. I don't. I don't hold this comic in contempt or anything. I I think it is mostly just like that shared kind of like bafflement of like why would you love it, you know, or ever have a lot of fondness for something like this? And it feels so mm-hmm. like, and I, it, I don't not, and I don't want to necessarily blame anyone for liking it. Um, I mean, it, it's the same I thing. Where like, I absolutely don't, but you're, you're no, correct. Exactly. in that there's, I think the, there are the two big pieces of this that we are missing and that we like stories about characters and we have no affection for, whatever mess was happening before this like i yes. this is this is charming and it is interesting to go and see what they're doing here but i think by and large i 
I don't feel connected to this area, this, this, this era. Um, and it really does the, it does the sin of starting the story in the middle, assuming that I already know everything about these characters, which is the way so many comics have been written. That was bizarre. Is there anything else you want to add? Eric? Nothing. Comics make me tired. Yeah, I agree with you. They're exhausting. They're exhausting. They'll, they'll break your heart, kid. Comics will break your heart. Um, that was Crisis on Infinite Earth by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Thank you for all our guests for appearing. We appreciate all of them. Uh, reading. I mean, even just to sit down and read this thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a beast. It's quite a feat. It's, it's, it's big, a real it's heavy. beast. It's big, it's heavy, it's dense. Um, so uh, this has probably not been very subtle, but this is not necessarily our last episode of Handsome Boys, but it will certainly be the last regular episode of Handsome Boys. Eric and I might get a wild hair up our ass and do more episodes whenever we feel like it. Um, but neither of us can, I can't rule that out because both of us are lunatics. Mm-hmm. You're like, here's a 600-page comic. Let's read it and talk about it for three hours. I mean, it's I. It's certainly like hell. I mean, you know, once or twice a year, or three times a year, or whatever. We we'll just yeah. like, I read this and it was really cool. I want to talk yeah. about it with Eric. We'll do a podcast about it. Um, we'll probably keep this feed up for the indeterminate future. Um, but we've done this for three hundred episodes for eight years, and I think both of us are in very different places in our lives than we were when we started. Uh, we're both burnout. I think on comic books in general, <laughs> it's harder to, there are still those odd books where both of us go, Oh, this is exciting. This is great. Um, but they're fewer and farther between. And I think that's as good a sign as any, where you're like, I it, reading comic books every week or every two weeks over and, oh, and just seeing these trends. And we just talked about it in our, our, in our discussion. It's just, it's tiring and it takes up time and we are busier both of us, I think, are way busier than we were when we started this podcast. And finding the time has been harder and harder. And I think both of us have had to reschedule recordings more and more mm -hmm. and more uh, just to find the time to record. And honestly, I am looking forward to just reading comic books as a regular person again. Just chasing the things that excite me. Not having to keep up with stuff. I don't know how you feel about it, Eric. To be honest, I have noticed that it is a thing that I don't do anymore. And I do kind of miss that. Yeah. I mean, we read a shit ton of comic books. I, and I, having talked with some folks, I mean, I famously say all the time that I can't read, but I have probably, in preparation for these podcasts, I've probably read more fiction than anyone anyone else that I know. You know, it is it is absurd the the amount of stuff that we've read. We've read thousands of pages mm -hmm. and hundreds of stories. Mm -hmm. We've we have covered the gamut. Yeah, we've read lots of new things, lots of old things, popular things, unpopular things, literature to superheroes to to lowbrow to highbrow. We've covered everything. And sometimes we read things that we know we'll hate or things we think we'll hate because it's important to 
like we I think or we think one it will people will like listening to it or are interested in our opinion on it or because I want to know I want to know what this is what are they doing to Watchmen now <laughs> like you know there's <laughs> there is that morbid curiosity of like how are they stretching these concepts these properties I'm I just as a nerd like I want to see that new Ghostbusters movie even though I think I might hate it um because I need to know what they do um but I. And maybe two years, a year from now, or two years from now, both of us will go. No, let's do it again. I, we're, I'm. I missed that tremendous time sink in my life. Or I mean, we could always. You know, I, easily, I we could back I mean, it off up to a, once a month or something mm. like that. It makes it a lot more palatable, but and change the format. Like that's the thing. Both of us, and we might even be doing a different podcast. I think both of us are still figuring that out. Yeah. What we want to do, how much time we want to invest what we want as a return if anything other than just having like eric eric and i can easily goof off and be dumbasses without recording it we do it all the time mm-hmm. uh it's very easy so you know those are the questions we have but i do think that we are we are we have gotten very good at this i will say that i think you and i together unpacking what a comic book is and what it is mm-hmm. not uh, we've, we've done very, we, we, at this point, like when we started, it was a shit show, but <laughs> and it, for, it was a shit show for a while, but at this point I feel like both of us are seasoned pros and I am, I am happy we did it. I mm. think that it obviously it deepened our relationship, deepened our friendship, um, but even beyond all that stuff, I'm a dog. Beyond all uh, that stuff, I'm a beyond, dog. I'm a dog. Uh, that, <laughs> the beyond all that stuff, I I I think it is easy to remember all the worst comics we read. But in fact, there's just I've discovered my some of my favorite pieces of art ever through this podcast. I I don't know would I have discovered Danny Warren Johnson if we weren't doing this podcast. I don't know. You know, he, he's not, he's off the beaten path for most people. And I consider some of his comics, my favorite things, not just in, in comic books, but in fiction, in art in general. And it's those type of things where I go, I'm glad we did this just because it revealed me that like, you know, uh, or, um, my favorite thing is monsters. Would I have read that if it wasn't for this podcast? I don't know. Um, but I certainly enjoyed the ride. I don't know if there's anything you want to say, Eric. I'm just saying, I just want to thank everyone who's listened, who, uh, you're out there. I see the numbers. Mm-hmm. I see the downloads. There's people out there. I know there, there's, there's, there's people out there listening. So I appreciate you. I think honestly, it's all I need to say. Yeah. Well, God knows we've said every other word on you know, the, in the dictionary twice. <laughs> no, I, uh, it is it is genuinely hard, I think, to give this up, because um, it's been something that I uh, have both dreaded and looked forward to uh, every week for a really really long time, um, and I'm sure we will find something uh, something else to move on to. Because I don't, I don't want to stop podcasting, and I don't want to stop podcasting with you. Yeah. Uh, that's just something that 
You know, I don't see a reason, especially given all of the other audio work that you do. I don't think I don't think it's something I ever really want to go away. Um, but in terms of this, it's been it's been a lot. It's it's meant a lot to me. It's been a real tent pole uh, of of my life, you know, was we did it for my whole 30s, which is pretty fucking nuts. <laughs> you know i mean i got married in yeah. the span i i started a relationship and got i met yes. my i met you through my wife yes who at the time yes. was just my new girlfriend i remember i remember completely it, i thought you know, were a huge asshole when i met you i mean it was a very hot room eric i understand you know we were in a very hot room with a bunch of strangers that i didn't know a bunch of sweaty goddamn nerds I mean, Gary was in that room with us. Really? I'm pretty sure I don't remember that. He had to have been. He was always at Drink and Draw, right? Oh, we met before that. Did we? Yeah, we met at at, uh, um, one of the Megacon. Megacon. We met at Megacon. Oh, I don't see. That's that's where my memory... My distinctive memory is... You were you were much more the Robbie that I know at that drink and draw. Yes, that's where I. You like, were I, actually I, interested in talking to me. I was like, yeah. "Who the fuck is this guy?" Well, it's probably I probably at MegaCon it was probably like at three o'clock, and by that point, I've been around crowds all day, mm-hmm. and I'm just like cranky. And I'm like, and I just looking, want to sit down. Well, that's the looking at looking back and seeing. Oh yeah, Robbie's just being Robbie versus like the literal first time I met you. And this is like my female friend that I'm protective of, and you're 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 being that guy. I mean, I was I was just like, please can we sit down? I'm sure these are your friends. I'm just my feet hurt. I'm well, tired. Br- Brent was Brent, who I'm no longer really associated with, was there, and he was being a dork. So I don't know. I get it. <laughs> yeah, um, that's why I distinctly remember just that you drawing a. That was the first. I saw you drawing it in red, and we sat mm-hmm. next to each other and talked about how much Skyrim we liked, talked about Skyrim and Louis C.K. God, were we really talking about Louis we, C.K.? We talked about Louis C.K. You had his stand-up set on a flash drive on your keychain. That sounds like a thing I was doing in that in that time period. Yeah, I was like, "Have you seen this?" And you're like, "I have it right here." I'm like, and now who boy that flash drive oh. died. It was sad. I, <laughs> End of an era. Mm-hmm. It was but, when I was keeping my password keys uh password safe on a keychain. But this show will stay active. The archive will stay up uh for the time being. Um if you follow either of us on social media or H or HB uh Hansen Boys on Twitter, if at any point it we are gonna we decide to take it down, we will give everyone fair warning. So you can download any episodes you'd actually you you want to hear um, for the for the future, um, but for the for the cost of keeping a feed up, it's not it's not that bad. It's um, worth it for posterity's sake. Yeah, exactly. For keeping the archive up, um, certainly cheaper than a, the same price it would be up for a Google Drive or something. Um, but yeah, you can find me online at Robbie Dorman on Twitter. My name my website is also robbiedorman.com. Uh, has links to all the things I do and all the books I write, and all the podcasts I do. And go check them out. You've heard me plug them a hundred million times. They're all still there. I well, love, maybe three hundred times. Maybe three hundred times. Um, 
You go check them out. I'd, I'd appreciate you if you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric, where can they find you and your things online? Well, you can see my portfolio at freewillunlimited.com. Never took that fucker down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can see uh, many of my other things on ericzgoodnight.com, including links to my various social media, uh, Twitter, Twitch, uh, and Instagram, where I'm known on all services as EZ Goodnight. And with that, folks, we'll call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll. Thank <music> you.